Yo, what's good, everybody? Oh boy, am I excited. We have another interview here at Behind That Suit. And for all of y'all on YouTube and, you know, Facebook watching after, you should be over at twitch.tv slash Behind That Suit where it's getting lit and you can ask the questions. But joining me today is Mr., and I hope I say this right, Flacco Bio of the Liddy Boys. You can correct me if I said it wrong. How do you say it, right? It's, it, it's Flacco Bayo. Um, so like Mayo, but Bayo. You Flacco know I mean? Bayo. Okay. Flacco Bayo, and it's the Liddy Bros. But it's the okay. Liddy Everybody bros. calls us the Liddy Boys. <laughs> I'm, I'm meant to say bros. Dude, I've typed this I to the point where I'm like, there's a period at the end, and I need to put that period when I type this out. Oh, I feel like embarrassed. Anyway, um, so, yo, I'm real excited. So I did do a review of the project. It's an amazing album that they have, and I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit. But, yo, these dudes have a style, a swag. But, yo, I'm a customer service guy, so check it. I've done a, a album reviews for people before. I've done some interviews and stuff before, but never have I gone to an artist's website and seen my face right there in their latest blog post promoting some effort I made for them. And you know what? From the bottom of my heart, that was one of the most touching. There are two artists who have done this to me ever and put my review on their website. It was the Wu-Tang Clan and their blog, which tripped me the fuck out back in the day. And now Liddy Bros. That's like to Ooh, me, like that's the camp that's amazing of like, company I'm in. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there going, the amount of posts he did to promote it. I saw a community type thing. And that's the kind of guy this is. And I'm just sitting here going, wow. And I could tell that from back in the day he's been rapping because I found some video in like 2012, which was lit and an absolutely completely different style. Because if you listen to the Liddy Bros, it's going to be a little Liddy. You know, you, you get you get it in the name of it. But then if you dig into the history a little bit, you're going to see the man can bring the bars for days that will shut up anybody that questions what the Liddy Bros might be trying to do. Because, you know, some people might be a little ignorant when they hear a sound and don't know the history. So I wanted to start this off saying when you investigate the history, you're going to be absolutely blown away by the complexity of the man that we're going to talk to today so anyway that that's just that's just what i had to get off my chest i'm humbled that you took the time to promote it like that it meant the world to me so thank you for that from the bottom of my heart but anyway how are you doing today good sir uh, i just want to reciprocate that love bro from the bottom of my heart i i can't thank you enough like it's there's like i had said it when i first shared the review but like there's no feeling like having your art understood, like, mm. and actually like somebody sit down, try to digest it, and they actually understand what you were trying to convey to people. So like, from the bottom of my heart, from the bottom of our hearts, all three Liddy Bros, um, uh, thank you very much, honestly, sincerely. That's, that's super cool. So let's go into who are the Liddy Bros. Uh, we have with me today is Mr. Flacco Bayo, and we'll we'll talk a lot more about you. But who are the other Liddy Bros who are not with us in the moment? The uh, Liddy Bros. I mean, well, the Liddy Bros on this project are me, Flacco Bayo, Jess James Figueroa, and Paulie Hustle. Um, but the Liddy Bros is kind of like a family, and it's just like all it, it was. It was born out of my brain and. It's just another avenue of me trying to, ironically, you mentioned Wu-Tang, but like my whole life as an artist has been uh, dedication towards like trying to get a group of people to an end goal. So like uh, to me, like solo, solo success is great, but like there's nothing like, like, you know, doing a project, doing work with your brothers. So like uh, right now, this project is me, Jess James Figueroa, 
and Paulie Hustle. But the next one will probably be me and a couple other artists, and it'll keep on changing hands. And maybe one day it'll be a Liddy Bros without me in it with a bunch of other guys that are homies. That is a really super interesting idea. So it's really about bringing back the collective. All right, mm-hmm. that, yo, you got. I feel like this is going to be very tangential. So anybody coming in? Oh, oh boy, the album is called Champagne and Cocaine, and what do we have right here, everybody? Woof! Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this is definitely. Style. I was telling you off camera. I, I would love to share it on camera. Like it's an experience, and I definitely wish that we were in person so we could share the champagne together. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely. Uh, Champagne everywhere we go. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't really have anything on my end, so while you get that ready, I'll get my own little thing ready to go. This is exciting. I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, me too. Very. Very. All right. This feels momentous. There's not many moments we get to pop it. Yes, your lady friend, Vani, we are popping bottles. And it's... The, oof. That was, that was a beautiful sound. It's crisp, right? Like just the sound. Anyway. Yeah, um, it is. I love the sound. Is that a chalice? Do you guys see the yeah. style here? So when you look into their branding, and uh, we can, I don't know, branding is very fascinating for me. It is so on point. Everything is flashy and fancy. It's called champagne and cocaine, and everything kind of fits that aesthetic. You uh, Tell us about the promo box that you made to for this album. Because first of all, the thing costs a hundred dollars, so now you're selling your album for a hundred clean because you 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 added some value to it. So y'all should mm-hmm. go, you know, hit the man up and buy the promo box and or if it's still available. But tell us how yeah. that came to be because that's some next level marketing, and uh, I was impressed. That caught me like wow, that's presentation. I was watching Big Zoo from uh, end of the week open it up on his Instagram and I was like, holy shit, nobody I know does that. That's like some Nipsey Hustle level. Nipsey Hustle. That thank you so much for saying it. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. When I came up with the idea for the project, this was originally supposed to be originally uh all those tracks that you hear on this Liddy Bros project. Uh well probably like nine out of the thirteen tracks um were supposed to be for my next solo project. But and then at the top of the year, uh, I had gotten um, some sessions for my nephew. Um, and uh, before his sessions, I went and like, you know, recorded a session at that studio. And uh, I invited Jess and Jess, you know, to engineer it. And he jumped on the two songs that I worked on. And then it became like, why don't we just keep on like, instead of me having to write two verses to every song, how about I just be lazy? You come on, <laughs> jump on the other verse, and then he did, and we started cooking, and then it just became this project. But like, um, we we weren't we, when we had did it, we uh, and started talking about making it a full project, and we got Paulie Hustle involved. Um, we uh, we I told them I was like I wanted to do a video to every song, so I was like I want the Beyonce, you know what I mean? Because I call it the Beyonce, the 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 album that has a video to every song, like no matter how small the track might be interlude or not, it's going to have a video to it, you know? And um, so that was what I wanted to do. And then when Paulie Hustle became a part of the project, Paulie Hustle is an idea man. He's a um, idea man, a, a, a stylist. He's uh, I'll talk a little bit more about him and what he does, but he, I was definitely you know, going to ask that. 
but yeah, Part just of not to cut you off, but shout out Damala8481 for following, because we're on Twitch, so you're supposed oh. to shout out when followers come in. And I saw there was another follower, but the name hasn't popped up yet, so when it does, I'll shout you out. Sorry not to cut you off. No, 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 absolutely. That's the homie right there. Um, No, but so uh, when uh, Paulie get, became a part of the project, he just, the first thing that he does is bring problems to the table. Because that's how you get to solutions, right? Like, present problems that you see. And he was like, how are we going to make some money off of this? And I, I just, you know, part of my personality is coming up with solutions. And right. I was like, I was like, we're going to, I looked at him and I don't know where the thought popped into my head, but I was like, we're going to sell a hundred people, a hundred dollar album. And he was like, he just looked at me, he sat back and he was like, can you do that? And I was like, you're goddamn right I can. <laughs> so that was the idea. And then it was like, for me on my end, it was like, I, I don't know about you, but I, I uh, have a couple subscriptions myself. I had a subscription to Loot Crate for a while there, and um, I was very unhappy with it after a while. You know what I mean? But part of what um, made me buy into the subscription and part of what um, made me happy with the subscription are some of the things I would get. Getting a guaranteed T-shirt, getting a guaranteed pin with every box. Um, there were things that I just considered cool. And so when we went to put together the package, I was just like, it has to be worth it. I, I don't want people um, uh, spending $100 just because they're friends of mine and feeling after they spent their $100 as if though they wasted $100 on something that wasn't worth it. So it was really important to me to make the package like a worthwhile package that like adds up to the $100 price mark. You know what I mean? Dude, the wisdom you're dropping right now, everybody watching this best be paying attention because this man is dropping wisdom. First of all, he looked into his soul and he said, what do I care about? That's the best way to start marketing is to be yeah. selfish, right? Because you're going to put yep. more effort into things you would want. I love long content. I make long content. Um, so the man goes, I like the loot boxes and effectively creates a loot box. And I'm, I, I looked at the items, but I'm going to assume it's all the shit that you loved best in a loot box. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. No, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. What, what do you get in this loot box? What were the items that you felt were the best representation of the brand? So I'm very sorry that I'm like unprepared with an actual physical package to come in front of you with right now because I got smashed last night and I did not prepare <laughs> appropriately. I always prepare the packages because the packages come vac sealed in um, mm. uh, 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 vac sealed packaging. Um, they the the air can dissipate from it a little bit so i always make my packages to order in the moment so somebody puts in an order that's when the package gets made and it gets mailed out so that it, it comes to them as fresh as possible um but pretty much what comes in the Yo, package Tony is cliff tone juniors when he said when he got his the shit was mint so he's validating yeah. the quality here yeah shout out to tony clifton that's the homie um but yeah, it comes with a CD, it comes with a poster, it comes with, um, uh, it comes, so we try to keep to branding. So it comes with a Liddy Bros lighter, right? Because it felt oh, like that's shit. logical for Liddy Bros, for Liddy Bros to have lighters, right? It, it only makes sense. Um, and uh, because the album's called Champagne and Cocaine, right? Um, 
It comes with an honorary commemorative uh, cork um, to represent the champagne part of the album. And the cork itself, you know what? Give me a second. I'm going to get a couple things here and try That's to fresh, man. Uh, try, to, try to show you try to show you the package. Like ahead, this sorry. doesn't sound like it's some insanely hard to put together merch. It sounds like it's just really well thought out to represent what you want it to be, but really on point. Like it feels like a, a Liddy Bros loot box would be, you know, like when I looked at yeah. the packaging, because like I, I saw what was in it. I looked at it I'm like this really fucking makes sense. This is really cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely was super like intricately thought out you know we didn't like just slap together any old thing and you know just you know ask people for money that was part of also why it was like that because i've seen a lot of people dropping packages this year and honestly like i think that their packages are disrespectful like i've seen guys charging 75 to 100 dollars for like a google drive link to the album with a t-shirt and another knickknack and i'm just like what like you're charging how much for what? You know what I mean? And that's just not that's not how I get down at all. So um, the cork Gosh, it's, is you're so consumer centric, dude. I love it. This is the cork, and so it has. Um, I don't know if you can see that right there, but it has our okay. stamp. Is what we call that the champagne and cork uh, and cocaine um, album stamp. We uh, came up with this stamp as like an idea of like, you know, if it's champagne and cocaine, a brick is gonna, a brick of cocaine is gonna come with what? A uh, stamp representing, you know, uh, where it came from. You know what I mean? Whose who's, uh, farm it came from. So we came up with this stamp besides the cover, besides the logo, besides other artwork that we had gotten done, we got this uh, stamp done uh, for the album. So this champagne cork comes with the, uh, the stamp on it and then we, give everybody a couple of Liddy Bros pens, but the pens duplicate, right? Because <laughs> if you do cocaine, you know what I mean? You're always going to need to have a straw around. And so you take out the back end of it and you, uh, you got yourself a nice uh, Coke straw with the pen. But if you don't do cocaine, you now have yourself a commemorative Liddy Bros uh, champagne and cocaine pen. You know what I mean? Um, and also, if you're not ready to do a whole rail, right, you can just do a bump cap. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it is amazing. It is so well thought out, dude. I'm, like, really impressed by this. Yeah. And uh, it comes with a pin, uh, champagne and cocaine, again, the stamp. And uh comes with a couple stickers. One of the stickers is the stamp, uh, the champagne and cocaine stamp. And then uh, the other stickers are the sticker that comes on the lighter. So mm. once you run out of uh, liquid uh, fuel in your uh, lighter, you got a couple extra uh, stickers in the packaging and you could just wrap it around your next big lighter and boom, you know what I mean? You got yourself another Liddy Bros lighter uh, and it comes with a Liddy Bros uh, champagne, and champagne and cocaine bandana. And the bandana has like the Louis Vuitton type of... Uh, monogram but right, right. it's the it's the champagne and cocaine uh logo and so you know you could rock your bandana however you choose to on your head around your and, face uh, it felt like it was really good for right now when people you know not everybody wants to carry their mask with them sometimes you forget it 
but you'll probably always have some fly gear on you. You know what I mean? So, like, you got yourself a mask if you need it. This is so well thought out. And I, CD. I feel, oh, my gosh. There's more. It's like there's more. There's C, the CD. And, like I said, the the poster comes in this packaging. I could have went and got a cheap old cardboard looking, you know what I mean? Uh, everything was, everything was, we're not going to spare a dime. You know what I mean? Like, we're not trying to cut corners and save money. We're trying to give people a product that they'll, you know what I mean? Feel appreciative that they got. So this is the champagne and cocaine Liddy Bros uh, poster that comes in each packaging too. And uh, that's it. And I mean, the last thing that I include in every package is a piece of candy. Really? <laughs> yeah. Really sweet. It's just a personal touch. <laughs> yeah. Is it like yeah, a so different that's candy the... or like, like you get like a random, it could be anything? Uh, I'll show you right now. I went with uh, a personal favorite. Again, right? You go with the things that you love. I went with uh, sour okay. straws. Yo, those are good though. I would actually I be really they delighted. They come in three different colors. You get a, you get a either apple green, the strawberry red, or the blueberry blue. And That's amazing. It depends depends on who's ordering. I try to like uh, cater to them. Depends on the area that they're in. Dude, that's amazing. I really enjoyed that. I mean, it's we effectively just we just did an ad slot, so but it was possibly the most entertaining ad slot for me. If you watch and just don't agree, that's okay. I'm thoroughly entertained because I learned. And that's what I love about this is I get to see how uh Flacco Bayo here is making moves. Now yeah, I I can't say I could come up with that per se exactly, but that doesn't sound like it was the most expensive endeavor to create, honestly. It sounds like mm. it's something that with the right level of planning and dedication and thinking about, you can actually create a differentiator for you and your brand for people watching this because that's what I saw. I saw how well thought out it was and that's what made me want to bump the album the most because like, who does that, right? Like, like really, who yeah. puts that level of effort to have like, and I was like, what's that about? It was so fascinating. Then you hear the album and yo, the album is a trip. But before we get into that, uh, part of what I like to do is talk a little bit about the story. Cause on the real, I, uh, I barely did a lot of research into your past. I was more interested in the, in the currents cause there's a yeah. lot of fascinating there. But I think just to give context to everyone coming to this, the people who maybe don't know you, you know, down the line yeah. when you're super famous and they're digging in the crates looking for some interviews of you and stuff, uh, not yeah. to say you're not super famous, but I'm saying mm -hmm. I feel like we're talking huge things in your future, dude. This is some incredible shit that I'm seeing right now because you're not young, but you're lit. Now, that's some yeah. run the jewel shit. Like, that's some mm -hmm. longevity shit that a lot Absolutely. of people don't necessarily have. So I'm fascinated by how people are like keep maintain longevity that's that's the most interesting to, uh, thing to me as a guy in my 30s trying to make it to a guy in my 40s doing this so uh let's go back to the beginning though are you uh born in new york are you like from there yes or... i'm born i'm born in the bronx new york city okay um and uh uh so are the other two members of the liddy bros well actually jess james was born in Spanish Harlem, in Harlem, which is Manhattan, and but raised in the Bronx. And Paulie Hustle was born in the Bronx and uh, raised here to, for a young age, and then moved to Jersey. But um, all three of us are Bronx Bronx guys. 
So as a dude from Montreal, there's a part of me that's geeking out going, I'm talking to a real rapper from the Bronx. Like, nah, like, that's, yeah, like it's, it's that's like the Mecca, right? That's like, yeah, it is. In the, and, and like, I don't know. There's a part of me that's to... like, so it just is so cool that you're in New York. Like you can go places right now that classic hip hop happened in. Yes, that's magical absolutely. to me. I actually live on a block where a lot of legendary shit happened. Um, it's, it, and it doubles. It's like one of those blocks that legendary hip hop things happen, but also legendary New York City things happen. It's the wild cowboys block. So like people who are entranced with like the drug culture and like drug dealers in New York City in the 60s, 70s, uh, wild cowboys uh, is like a pretty like a big name, kind of like Nicky Barnes. And um, uh, what's his name um, um, from the, the character that Denzel played in American okay. Gangster? Um, all those, all those guys. They'll, they'll, that character that Denzel played in that, Nicky Barnes is in there. He's his direct competition, and Nicky Barnes' uh, character was Cuba Gooden Jr. And Cuba Gooden Jr. His character is from my block, my area. I have That's a friend serious. that was that's in Cali who is literally just telling me like, yo bro, I'm watching this YouTube video and it's like the most dangerous um, um, area in, in America and it's in the Bronx. And then he starts naming the block and I'm like, yeah, that's my block. <laughs> like it's literally down the block from me. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, there's a part of me that like, I don't know, it's kind of goofy, but you grew up listening to all this stuff and I live in Montreal. And while there are places and lifestyles in Montreal that can have hardness happen in it, we are a soft ass city. I'm just going to put it out there. Like, it's so safe. It's just a safe place where I live, right? Um, so I look at New York and I hear all, you hear everything that comes out of it. And what you really learn is that, at least for me, what you grew up with was a lot harder than what I had to grow up with and actually complicated. But like... Uh, what era did you grow up? I have no idea how old you are. So, like, when I'm, when did you grow up? If you can share a ball. I grew up in the nineties. I grew up in the nineties. Um. Uh. And so, um, something that I like try to explain to people as far as this whole thing, like, I, hip hop, right? It's one of those things where like it went everywhere, and I appreciate everybody that's a part of it. But like, there's a certain discounting that happens online nowadays with the world of like people just, oh, I Wikipedia'd Eminem. So I know that Wikipedia says that his first album was Infinite or whatever, you know what I mean? And that he sounded like Nas and AZ and all these things, but it's like, bro, that's not realistic. I was listening to Stretch and Bobbito the night that M they played Eminem for the very first time Eminem ever got played on New York City radio before he was signed to Dr. Dre, before he was on Aftermath, before he put out the Slim Shady EP. And nobody had heard of that Eminem. You know what I mean? And it's one of those things where like people, they go back, like nowadays because of the internet, they, they have all these things they go back and they talk about. And it's like, you're talking about it from a Wikipedia sanitary standpoint. You don't know like actually being there you know what I mean? And all the things that happened. And it's one of those things where, like, for those of us that lived through the eras, like, it, there, should be, there should be a platform somewhere for us to share stories. Because I think that people would appreciate it Don, as much I as would... they appreciate, like, drink champs and shit. 
straight up behind that suit. Anybody wants to come through and talk? Hi, right here. I'm your dude. Yeah. That's what we're doing here. No, nah, I'm gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna. After this, we're gonna build, and I'm gonna because I really appreciate what you're doing, and I think that there's just a couple things that I might be able to help you with them to to you know what I mean. Give more content to what you're doing, and and dude, it's, it's incredible to hear that. Happy to do that. I, yeah. It humbles me a little bit. Sorry, I get excited when people put me on the spot like that. It makes me all, like, almost blushy. But um, that's incredible. No like, Because I think I, don't know, I think you're real smart. So the fact that you even have that desire just is encouraging to me. But I hear what you're saying about this Eminem thing. Because um, I started doing Behind That Suit in the end of 2016. And literally the first thing we did was Eminem's new song, right? Because we're white boys uh -huh. from Montreal. So we're yeah, yeah. Eminem, Tech 9 hops in. I, we're talking uh -huh. this lane and pretty much every and here's the thing i don't want to go like too deep on that but pretty much every white guy i know that raps followed the same path like we all are inspired we all rap fast we all know how to do we could we cannot do it it's not even impressive anymore we can all do rap god yeah if everybody can yeah. do rap god is it really the rap god you it's know, not like, really impressive yeah it is a well-written song though actually the more no, i dug yeah. into history but it's if everyone can do it it changes it a little bit to me um but i guess what i'm trying to say is uh but then you started we started doing these classic album reviews and at first we got the shit kicked out of us for ignorance fair uh when you start talking about hip-hop and you're you're really ignorant it it can be awkward at first but then we moved past it we started reading books we started learning understanding stuff like okay you need to understand what a five percenter is if you want to talk about a wu-tang you need to understand certain things yes. if you want to understand what anything means right yes so, uh, that's huge. That. That's him. That's him. That's important. That that. But the fact that you knew that, great, great signs of what's to come, right? Yo, shout out At the comment point. section, right? Because the comment section told me exactly what I needed to learn along the way, whether it was nice or mean. But shout out all the people who who watch Always. and give those that stuff, because it was without them, I'd be kind of dumb, you know. Content creators and artists ain't shit without people tuning in. If you're performing to an empty room, there's nothing more depressing as an artist or as a, a content creator. Like that that's like probably the most depressing thing in the world is like speaking and nobody hearing. You know what I mean? So like absolutely shout out to everyone. Tony Clifton, um uh uh Mala, all the homies, Viva La Mesa, fucking forever. Straight up. He can see the chat too for those who said, Tell him I said this. That's why I, I didn't say that online. Um, also, everyone watching can see the chat I'm popping trying up to. after. Yo, we, we in this, man, because like, it's exciting for me. This is new, this whole Twitch thing. I'm really loving Twitch. Uh, all these DJs I know are on Twitch, and I'm like, Holy crap, man. Twitch is basically Zoom calls, but for everyone to chat with us, it's, it's pretty dope. Yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, but yeah, so you grew up in the Bronx, uh, and then, I don't know, I don't know what was remarkable about your youth, but one of the questions that I started asking people, because I think it's interesting, is based on this epiphany I had recently, as my girlfriend was washing dishes, and again, early 30s, and she was bumping 2010 hits, and I had mm -hmm. this, like, thought, all of this stuff that people are shaking their ass to in the club today, so all your little mm -hmm. bros, girls, in 10 mm -hmm. years, 15 years, they're going to be doing chores to that shit, dude. Yeah, that's chores absolutely. music. You're yeah, basically you writing review, future like, chores I'm, music. I'm down for that. I'm not yeah. upset at that at all. Yeah. And I so I that made me curious then. What was the chores music slash club music your mom liked that you grew up to back in the day that was in your household? And I guess the the same version for whoever was around. You know, what was the inception of your musical journey? Because that's what it would have been. Somebody's yeah. doing chores. 
that's the music that yes, dominated. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I, I mean, um, so my mother is Nicaraguan. My father is Puerto Rican. Um, I was born and raised in the Bronx, Our Lady of Mercy Hospital. And um, they played nothing but Latin music growing okay. up. But uh, I guess because I was born in the Bronx, in the projects, and I was in, you know, that that in in the 80s when you know when i was born you're you're born and the bronx was already in the 80s full swing hip-hop everywhere i went every corner every project everywhere you went there was guys rapping break dancing you know what i mean like music blaring out of windows like you're not being hyperbolic you're like no literally... not not no hyperbole here not even a inch of hyperbole literally every corner you know what i mean and that's the way i grew up so it was like my parents were listening to that stuff but i hated latin music because it was my parents' music right and i'm growing up in this environment where i'm seeing all these people doing this and i had an older brother who break danced so he was okay. putting me on to like you know uh all this digital underground and stuff like that and so um salt and pepper like before i even you know um and so, like, that's, like, hip-hop was literally at my fingertips, in my ears, in my environment at all times without me even wanting it. And this is, like, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that there was still not even a hip-hop station in New York City at that point. So it's one of those things where it's just, like, you know, uh, this is all off the people, right? This is all off of your environment. Like, I'm hearing hip-hop nonstop off of everybody else outside of my home because you have your home and then you got everything else around you and because new york city you know uh is uh packed in tight everybody's right around each other so i grew up with hip-hop literally like being played around me so by the time i'm becoming you know i always say like you you're like right around puberty is when like you find your first artist that means the world to you you know yeah. what I mean? Like I do. When I agree with when that. When you're going through puberty is when you find that artist that you're like, they're speaking to me in my soul. That's dope. <laughs> that is, that is, I never thought of that. Well said, yeah. sir. Yeah, yeah. And so um, around that age is when I caught my first one and it was Biggie um, and, and Bad Boy. And so being a fan of Bad Boy back then wasn't the, that wasn't the thing. Like in New York City, they, Puffy got shitted on a lot. Bad Boy Yo, got shut shitted up. on a Yo, lot. Yo, Dama for following. I, I'm just, I gotta do the shout out. I heard the dingalingalings in my ear. I don't know if y'all can hear it. If you can, no, I wanna know uh, who it is. Uh, EO Dama. So, oh, that's Dama. That is one of the homies I'm yeah. talking about linking yeah. you with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, straight up, Dama is one of the most fire MCs. If you have the fire. opportunity to see her spit, yo, it is like incredible artist, like yo. Zero thought, just fucking flows. It's it's brilliant, man. Um, so yeah, her, thanks. Her, her 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 cadences, her flow, and her bars. She can out bar. There's this constant thing where, like, people, I, oh, and I always have made sure to never do that. She's an amazing MC, period. You know what I mean? Like, she'll wash wild MCs, 
period. I don't care what you have between your legs. She will fucking wash you. You know what I mean? She's an incredible artist. I've been working uh, with Dama um, uh, a lot in the last few years. And uh, she's going to have a song. I'm going to have a whole song written for me by Dama on and... one of my next upcoming projects. So hold and up. Instead of it saying featuring such and such artists, it'll say written by Dominic. So can we can we pause here? Because I'm all about tangents, man. We'll get back to the story. The story yeah. is always fun. Yeah, yeah. You're all, I never talked to a rapper that was like somebody else is gonna write me a song before. And I think that is really interesting because that says a lot about your ego and your desire yeah. to create the excellent product. End of the day. Product. That's yeah, what yeah. I'm hearing from That's that. It. I mean, let's be yeah. real. Music is art and art is the expression. Yeah. Art is how you fill that content. Art yeah. is what you do with it. But at yeah. the end of the day, you're still creating a product. And if I think it's just, inch, how did you get to the, so were you always the kind of person that would be okay with somebody else writing your track? Or is that just something that kind of came to you at a point? Like, how did you end up getting to a point? Where came you to decided, me at a point. Because it sounds like it's just such a rarity. I mean, it, it literally caught me I that off guard. That. I, got, I grew into that. I, I'm like any, if you're a New York artist and you're a rapper, period, you know, that's never like, you start out like, oh, man, I can't wait to have all my songs written for me. Never do you start out like that, you know? But you get to, a, for me at least, I got to a point artistically where, like, it wasn't about, like, it's there's only so much verbal gymnastics, linguistic acrobatics that you can do without it getting fucking boring, man. Like... Anything in excess gets boring to me. You know what I mean? Like, if I do anything for too long, I'm going to get bored. And so, um, artistically, I got to a point where, like, really, I'm just trying to create the best musical experience I can give to somebody. I I look at Kanye as um, as definitely, like, one of my hugest inspirations in the last 20 years and like the way he creates music I, I ideally would love to like be able to create music in that way where like i go somewhere and i invite a bunch of the homies that are artists that i think are really talented and we just go and just start creating and if there's things that we create together that they're like you know she could tell you you know when i sent her some shit for us to work on i'm immediately like listen if at any point you and you're creating for me process get really like overjoyed with what you're creating it's your creation you keep that you know oh what i mean God. like i don't i'm not looking i'm not looking to take away you know the thing that you love so much i just want for i want to be able to build and create with other really talented artists and i want that experience to be the experiences that we've never been privileged enough to have around us and that's what I always want to create what I don't see in the world, the energy I don't see people giving to, to other artists and the energy that I don't see other people giving to uh, uh, platforms like yours, people like you um, to the fans. You know, we were talking about that off air about like, you know, not appreciating, you know, the people that, you know, that artists tend to look at the haters before they look at the people who love them first. You know what I mean? Mm. I'd rather spend my entire if I was Rihanna. I'd rather spend my entire day trying to communicate with a million of my fans more than spending one minute communicating with one of my haters. That's the way I see it. 
Fresh. I'd rather I'd rather do that. I'd rather wait. I'd rather not wait. Spend my time attempting to reach all the fans rather than spending any time caring about the haters. Because the haters is just gonna be there, no matter who you are, what you're doing. There's always gonna be somebody who's just like, "Fuck you, man. You're trash. I hate you." And spending your time trying to convince that person of what is like pointless to me. I'd rather focus on the people that are here and are present and do enjoy what we're doing. Man, I was sitting there at work, right? And my, the guy who owns my company is worth like real money. Like the kind of money that, like I'm not to like whatever. It's just like, he, he's super rich. And what he basically <laughs> said is stop caring about free users as in people we can't get and just focus on the people who are willing to pay for us. And so yeah. really what you just gave out is nine figure advice because that's the advice we got from a guy with nine figures. So I can value what you just said at that price point because that's that's fucking serious shit. Yo, I'm, I'm like blowing away, man. Everything you're saying is like top tier community building stuff. Always, like always. The way yeah. that you, you focus on like you said, the things that don't exist, like there's a lot of people and I, maybe I have a little frustration sometimes with my local scene. I think everybody has frustration. I think we all do. We all do. We all do. It's but, hard. Um, it's hard to keep positive all the time in, in, in a struggling artist uh, area. But one of the things I find that gives me the most frustrations is how problem focused everyone is. Now, this is something I'm super guilty of until very recently. And it's all because of my manager at work. He, he was like, I'm going to I'm going to help this kid get over himself. And he did. And I started to realize that being solution oriented, when you have a crisis, what's the solution? When you have a cr yeah. problem, diagnose, but then find yeah. a solution. And I love the fact that you said that. And I don't know. I, I felt it like inside of your album when I listened to it. Like everything you're saying to me was reflected in your Get Lit Bars, believe it or not, in my opinion. Uh, the, just the style of it. It was tucked in, but it just the whole presentation, the whole everything. And I think it's really cool. Um, anyway, so I love everything you're saying, but I feel like we jumped ahead and we got a good sense of where we're at now. And then like a, one of those confusing-ass movies with timelines that keep shifting, yeah, yeah, yeah. let's shifting. bring it back. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's bring it back you know, to I the I was Bronx. so fascinated by um, your youth, right? When I asked the question about you know the, the music, I figured I would get some generic answer. But what you said was something that really added some context into the maybe why New York feels as possessive over hip-hop that I'd never considered before. So I wanted to thank you for that because what I heard was my parents tried to make me listen to this, but the environment forced me into this life. And then it yeah. got out and it went to the world. But the way I consumed yeah. hip hop, I mean, I'm 12 when my name is Pops. And them and like, come on, you know how I got yeah, to hip hop. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just what it is. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. when I'm hearing you I remember say it, when it's that like, video came out on MTV. And I remember having already had purchased the I Just Don't Give a Fuck single. And like I had told you off air uh, or shit now i can't even remember if it was on air or off air but uh eminem uh having heard him it was on air uh having heard him on stretching bobito before he was even signed to aftermath those are things that like most people weren't they're not they're not they're not they didn't come they, that's not how they came across eminem they came across them how you talked about hi but my I, name I, is i think it's so fascinating though that for you it's like like you said, everybody around you is doing it. When I leave my street corner my whole life, it's like we're already like the 90s in Montreal. So stranger danger is a thing. And that's not going on in my hood. That's not really what's happening at all in my life. So I just thought that was so enlightening and added some context, I think, that I never had before. Um, 
But a lot of people like, don't don't think about you know that, and it's that for us in New York. I mean, um, also I'm not with the whole like you know we created it so we dictate everything. No, sir, that's not how this shit goes, and that's not how things work. But there is um, it could be a little bit of give and take on both ends, right? Like where like New Yorkers can give up a little bit of that ownership feeling and feeling as if though everybody needs to bow down, but everybody around the world could do a little bit more of a maybe not bow down but like no, a, we just gotta a, add you out of the liner notes you know that's how i look yeah, at exactly. it like it's like it's a respect thing i mean montreal has a, a lot of hip-hop stuff that happened in it but let's be real all of us was bumping people from new york um i don't know that that much about montreal history so it's possible there were some dudes that were really in the know etc etc but to generalize to a realistic conversation you know everybody got a lot of new york stuff plus everywhere else that came from it you know the different scenes the south the this the cali everything mm -hmm. um so i look at it like we all really should just be giving love especially when you go and I don't know, dig real deep into that shit. When you start really going into the 90s and you look at like what DITC brought to the table, right? And just yeah. how much, take a big Get L. from my neighborhood. That's straight up. Do you know, did you ever meet Big L? No, nah, I never met Big L. Um, AG though lives like a couple blocks away. Yeah, that area, this, this whole area. AG yeah. did a track with a guy I had the pleasure to interview named Oscar Biggs. So that's just fucking crazy. Cause amazing, amazing guy, uh, uh, amazing artist. Uh, the energy that he puts on stage is amazing to this day, and uh, just a, a great, a great uh, representative for the culture. He seems like a really cool dude. Like it, it was, it was crazy to me to see that he was willing to work with somebody like my dude. Because my dude doesn't necessarily have reputation. He's on the, he's on the come up though. I watched his YouTube channel gain like a thousand subscribers in like three months which organically it's not the easiest thing to do so like the fact that ag did that was cool plus the verse was good it was some like yeah. dirty like he tried to go out of his comfort zone to write some raw porno shit a little bit for that it was it was pretty fun to listen to because i was I, I don't know i thought it was cool that he did that but you live in the same he's your neighbor basically that's like see to me i'm, I'm geeking a bit almost like starstruck by proxy like talking to you makes me closer to the famous people <laughs> that i like i reviewed ag and showbase right like, yeah. like to me like uh i don't remember which album it was maybe stunts blunts or maybe i don't know which one it was i'm not mm -hmm. gonna try diamond but it, that one so yeah so i did a Lord few of them I... in that era but i can't remember mm -hmm. the names of all the albums at this moment so like to me it's just like fuck you're like you're like in history and i think that had i not gone through that process of learning all this it wouldn't be significant to me but when i started listening to those guys and i started going wait a second this dude's getting that trick from that dude over there and yo he dropped that in like 1990 I guess that makes yeah. him like more seminally interesting than everybody after it. You start adding that context to it and it kind of like, I don't know, it makes a guy like Tech 9 less impressive when you see all the building blocks that build up into what he did, right? Like it doesn't make him less impressive in terms of what he delivers because he's an incredible artist. It's more, it's incredible not trickery. Incredible rapper. But yeah, like yeah. when you look at the history, it makes like a showbiz and AG and what they did in like 1990, 10 times more impressive. Or take an organized confusion. Like organized confusion blew my fucking mind. It's like everybody I listened to Jack Faramanch's flow. Everybody yeah. took his flow in some yeah. way. Yeah, and yeah, that's absolutely. Like, or if you listen to Isham do. and think of horrorcore, and then like yeah, anyway. Eminem, Eminem, absolutely. I tell, I try to explain to people that Eminem, without Cage, Isham, and Master Ace, Eminem ain't shit. You know what I mean? 
those three guys still influence him to this day. I think there you could see the influences from those three guys. Um, real quick, I do want to shout out Stefano. Uh, oh, the, the bro Anytime, Stefano man. is in the is in the chat, and um, that is a guy that has been showing me love for so long that like that's this is what I'm talking about. Always showing love to those who show love to you. You know what I mean? And um, so much love to everybody in the chat. But Stefano is a special, special guy. You know what I mean? Like he's just been there, ride or die from fucking like practically the beginning. So just shouts out to him. Yeah, respect, man. I'm happy you're here then. I'm happy you're participating in this. Because, yo, this is a moment for me. First of all, this is the first time I'm talking to, like, a real New York rapper one-on-one. I don't even... You could be the least famous New York rapper. I'm not saying you are. You could be. Uh And it would Uh still have me geeking out because you're in fucking Bronx right now. And I would totally be that white guy tourist that roamed through the Bronx being a geek. Over you, like you, you're more than you're more than welcome. Like the 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 invitation is open. I constantly invite people to the city. Like whenever it like, because people New York City is one of those places that it's like I insist that you come before you die. I insist that everybody around the world visits here before they die because the energy here is just an energy I haven't been able to find anywhere else. I've been to 49 of the 50 states in the United States of America. I've been to Montreal, I've been to Bangkok, I've been to Toronto, I've been to Jamaica, I've been to a few places um, around the world. And I, honestly, there's no place like New York City. And so I invite people here all the time. And when you get here, just give me a call and I'll take you on my famous food tour. And yeah. believe me, you'll, you'll fall in love with this city. Absolutely down for that. I mean, okay, so I had the pleasure of going to Pakistan. I had a, uh, went with work. And so I had guides, mm-hmm. and I learned that yeah. you don't want to go as a tourist. You want guides. You want locals yes. that will take you, you to the places, yes. and where is worth going. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so when did you move into music? I feel like usually it's somewhere in the puberty era after you fall in love with the biggies and the bad boys. Yeah. How long yeah. after that did you decide to jump into this music thing? I probably started writing my first raps not long after, like that ready to die era probably between ready to die to life after death era somewhere in between there started writing my first raps and um and uh then like you start just becoming you know atypical rapper you know uh that well for new york i started going through the you got to assume that as a guy in montreal that doesn't mean the same thing it means to you and your folk. And we got to educate the world on what that actually means. Yeah. I mean, so so I started hanging out with uh, my OGs on the block. And um, they started teaching me how to freestyle. They started teaching me how to clear my mind and be able to pluck the words in the right order so that it sounded right. My first group ever was called the Blackout God. And it was because in New York, it's always like super important. Like that's why the album, uh, there's a lot of referencing to Sofrito because uh, like I would just refuse, you mentioned it in your review and you were absolutely right. And it's that, it's that I refuse to say everything, anything that everybody else is saying, you know what I mean? Or not a constant refusal, but I must remix things that every, you know, uh, I tell people that Oakland is one of the cities that has the most original slang in all of the world. And 
especially here in America. And they that is what New York City mirrors the most in the fact that we are always constantly creating our own lingo. So like mm. sofrito is like a substitute for sauce. And um, so uh, blackout gods, blackout is a substitute for going crazy with the freestyle. You know what I mean? Like just blacking out, you know what I mean? And so it was that, like the crew was proficient at freestyling in particular. That was the most important thing. We, there was no ribbons. Yeah, well, I was young. I was the youngest. They were all older. Like um, by this point, I was probably hitting the age of like about 17 and they were all probably in their like early 20s. and so I was the little guy in the crew. I was the young guy. I was the, I was the gopher. You know, when somebody had to go to the store, I had to go to the store. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually how I got my original rap name. Uh, my original rap name, formerly known as Dutch Vega, Flaco Bayo, formerly known as Dutch Vega. And I got my name because uh, I would try to bring weed. And because I was young and didn't know anything about weed, like, I would get mocked and made fun of, right? Like, you know, if you don't get this shoe polish the fuck out of here, we're not smoking this shit. And so you still, uh, I grew up in an environment where my mother taught me better than to show up to somebody's house without something to give them. So regardless of uh, knowing that I had shit taste in buying weed, I knew I still had to show up with contributions to the session. So I would always show up with the Dutches, with the Dutch masters. And when I would have to go to the store, I would have to go to the store for the Dutch masters. So it became, you know, uh, I got bestowed the name Dutch. And then I just added the Vega from Garcia Vegas because what we did smoke back then was like Dutch masters every day. And then when it was somebody's birthday, it was a special occasion. We would smoke Garcia Vegas. And so that's where the name came from. And so that was my first crew. And the most important thing for uh, those beginning journey, the beginning steps for me were that, learning to freestyle, learning how to um, stay on beat, learning how to uh, uh, have a flow. Um, All these things were the things that I learned early on. I was blessed to be around a lot of really talented MCs. Um, my crew, Blackout Gods, they were from 174th and Vice, and that is Peter Gunn's neighborhood. Peter Gunn's from um, Peter Gunn's and Lord Tariq. And so um, they they were actually the rappers. Peter Gunn was never really like the guy that everybody was like, oh my God, he's the most lyrical MC ever. But the guys on his block that were those guys were the guys that I came up under. And I was blessed to come up under them. And then I was blessed to come up under um, uh, Sarah Connor, formerly known as Lyric. And her best friend was Jean Grey. And so I would either Wait, be hanging the same out. Jean Grey? Like the, the yes. rapper one? What, what, what? Jean Grey. I knew her when she was at the transition of Ooh, from what, what to uh, Jean Grey. So I was pretty privileged in being like uh, around real, real, real strong MCs, you know what I mean? And so, and so they taught me, I, there were things that they taught me that they didn't even realize that they were teaching me, you know what I mean? Um, and I got put in a lot of positions back then. Like, um, when I had, I had this really cool story of being at the last lyricist lounge show at the Kit Kat club in Manhattan. And um, Jean Grey just learned what a lyricist lounge was like three weeks ago. I had no idea. 
what yeah, that no, was. Yeah, no, it was amazing. Can you just it was take a quick hour. pivot to tell the people what the Lyricist Lounge is? Because I think that's something that for those like me who are ignorant, we need the education. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if I can try to not be too fucking... Uh, Lyricist Lounge is essentially like if In Living Color was a show, but it was wrapped and it was on stage and they developed that show and got... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the first thing that they got was like a, a deal to put out an album on Raucous Records, and they put out um, the Lyricist Lounge Volume One and Two. Um, I think it was um, yeah, one and two, and then they put out Sound Bombing, um, and those artists were all kind of like performing at the same show together, and then they got a TV show actually, and it was kind of like. Um, uh, like a MC Olympics type of thing where like, you know, uh, doing things like uh, rapping words that you get given and freestyling words that you get given and all these cool things. And essentially, um, not long after that is how EO Dub um, came about being and end of the week. And so end of the that's week actually like how we got connected. Of lyricist lounge. Yeah, absolutely. They, they were around... Shit. They were actually counter, like, right around the same time because um, the EO Dub just turned 20 years old. And in 2000, we were just about four years removed, not even, like, maybe two or three years removed from Lyricist Lounge having existed. So um, the, it, it, it was kind of like, a, a, you know, rubbing shoulders, same artist. I'm pretty sure that Zoo, Propane, Rest in Peace, Vice Versus, um were at lyricist lounge shows i'm pretty sure when you get a chance to talk to those guys they'll they'll and you ask them they'll probably be able to tell you about being at a lyricist lounge show i only got to be at that last one because i was again a youngin you know what i mean like yeah absolutely absolutely lyricist lounge i would just say i i'm doing it no justice you should you should google it and youtube it and delve into um lyricist lounge in that history because there's a lot of like amazing artistry in there there's a lot of stuff that i'm also not a fan of in there but there's a lot of amazing artistry and history in there too um yeah, that's what's uh that's a but history is one of those things where we don't have to like all of it but we should yeah know yeah exactly because, you should exactly like yeah, i'm glad i asked that question because i had no idea about the connection to end of the week and recently yeah. i've become kind of I, well i don't want to say too much affiliated but i started showing up as stuff and repping end of the yeah. week quebec because that's what's up if if they actually have a quebec thing i'm all rep that that's my flag you're gonna rep your hometown yeah rep that's that what flag. it is uh, mm -hmm. At some point, I realized hip-hop's a bit of a team sport, and uh, that's what's yeah. up. We're the 514. That's the city. Um, all mm -hmm. respect to New York. Y'all have your thing. Oh, uh, absolutely. Um, every but, city, every city about it. Has, its, has its scene, and it needs to be respected for what it is. Everybody's making their contributions to the culture. And look, man, like you, you're all the way over there. I'm here in, in, in the birthplace in the Mecca, right? But I'm talking to you in Montreal and you've like delved into the album more than any there's people here there's people here who do um hip hop radio shows that are the homies who didn't want to give us interviews because the music wasn't reflective of the type of music that they usually cover instead of realizing that they should probably 
expand more you know what i mean and not just cover one type of sound you know mm. so like absolutely all respect due to the 514 and to montreal i love montreal i just went for the first time um in november right before all this shit popped off and i fell in love with your city like i was ready to go back immediately um oysters and foie gras are the, the, the second reason that i want to go back the number one reason is the homie Merker. And the other homies up there oh that gosh. I know, can, and can the way that they, the stop, way that they treated us, absolutely. Shout out Merker, Miyagi. shout out to Merker. So All of this wouldn't you're... be possible if it wasn't for Merker. Cause yo, check it. That was one of the big things that caught me on this album. So I've been sitting there lurking on Merker for like a long time. Cause I mean, Montreal Facebook on the Anglo side, cause there's the Franco side, which is whatever over there, but it's French. So I'm less mm -hmm. invested in following it, cause. The algorithm knows I'm an Anglo dude, you know? And so mm -hmm. in the English side, Merker Miyagi has, uh, in my opinion, established himself as one of like the top two or three, not like, like you know, low-end studios. I, I don't know how else to put it. Like you go to the guy's crib, kind of, I don't know where it is. I've never been, but I've seen pictures and I know like the vibe. It's really official. It's, it's official for, um, as under you know what i mean like i, know I what just you're meant trying like to say. in the the tier it's not like professional studio like like yeah, it might yeah. be like extremely top-notch gear and everything i'm not trying to insult yeah. that the sound is pristine mm -hmm. so like my boy is coming to my house and there's this next dude sky beats who's equal quality i would say everybody would put them like right next to each other and depending on who you ask one is better one is the other one is um so and the same thing like that he built it in the basement of his crib it's fucking perfect setup and the same kind of tier would say great sound so i saw several people as a uh, sky closed down for um covid he said fuck that no risk merker said i'm gonna keep doing my thing and yep. uh, a lot of people ended up recording so my boy started showing me to make and i heard the sound i'm like i thought merker was ridiculous right yeah he is so on top of that, if you if you don't have him on Facebook, just do yourself the pleasure of adding him. Um, forget yes. about any other kind of entertainment. Merker is the best thing on my Facebook every single day of the week. He just it's hot take after hot take, and it's the comment section gets lit. It's it's the comment section is Liddy Bros. I'm just Absolutely. saying that's what it is. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Anyway, just uh anyway, so if you do need a service, it's cool. But so he yeah. shared. He shared their video. That's how I, he shared them. He never shares anybody's music, by the way. So that's a huge yeah. fucking compliment. He no, shared absolutely. nobody's music. He shared their yeah. shit. Um, but why I'm bringing all that up is because that album, The Champagne and Cocaine, basically has a, a nice little hand of Montreal attached to it. So what I, I actually talked to Merker for a quick second to give him love, right? Because, I mean, he did an impeccable job. Yeah, he mixed him after It's pristine. Now. I, I had had I not seen his name there, I would have just thought some major label studio guy did your shit, to be completely honest with you. That's how good yeah. Merker is. Um, yeah. On top of no, that, he, yeah. uh, he told me that you took a very hands-off approach that I respected the shit of because it's the approach I take with my music. Me being a musician is irrelevant, but the approach I take is Mr. Engineer, do your thing. That's yep. your job. And he Absolutely. told me that you gave him the creative freedom to go ahead and run with it and do what he had to do to make it sound as blessed as possible. And so yeah, I thought that I was did. super fucking fascinating because the end result is this shiny, beautiful product, in my opinion. And it just sounds amazing. And I think it's so cool because he almost like made it sound like, and no disrespect to anyone that, yo, shout out Philip, big fan for following, respect. Um, he almost like, he kind of like made it just sound like you, you just trusted him to just do what he had I to did. do. 
I, I did. I just I, wanted that to... was something that I did purposefully on this album. Period. Uh, the the graphic designer is the only one that I gave kind of some skeleton of instruction to because he asked for it. But everybody that I went to to be a part of the project, the graphic designer, the engineer, the um, the uh, the producers, everybody the. Everybody that I asked yeah, shout to be out part Tony of the for following too. Were big shouts out to Tony for real. Um, uh, everybody that I asked to be a part of it, I asked them to be a part of it because they were talented. The guy that made the album cover artwork, I had been following him for a year. All the producers, I had been following for years, like three years. And so, um, like, if you're talented and I like what you're doing, why am I gonna try to? Co- like confine you to my brain and what I think a thing should be. I should mm-hmm. just trust your artistry, your craft, as much as I would like for my artistry and my craft to be trusted. And with that, I just gave everybody free reign to pretty much do as they thought should be done. Is this something that like came with that same level of let's say elevated thinking that lets you accept working with like somebody else writing your song? Was that like kind Absolutely. of a touch step? I killed so my ego a long time ago. More? Yeah, I okay. definitely. I'm, I mean, and I still, I still write. We're all, um, we're all humans, and we're not perfect, and we're all constantly like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not the easiest person to work with. Blessings to. Uh, Jess and uh, everybody who's ever worked with me, you know what I mean? Like it's not, I'm not an easy person to work with. Um, There's certain things that I I get, you know, just as, you know, ah, about as anybody else. Um, It's just sometimes, you know, I, I put in an effort to quell that within myself and try Mm -hmm. to check that and check and constantly check my ego and try to like, you know, uh, just get to the, the 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 goal, right? Like the point A to point B, fastest way. That's what matters the most. Best, fastest way. Yo, it's great that you keep coming back to that because over the course of the conversation, I bet you're gonna say it five, six more times, which is good because that's how it sticks into people's memories and you're doing the world a service with this way of approaching people. Because, look, I know that there's a lot of love for the to everything myself mentality and big shout outs to the people yeah, who have shout- the time. And, and I'm I, and one I of those guys to like do it all themselves, but also respect for being willing to take on the approach of just trusting specialists and basically being a, a project manager. That, that yeah. sounds like a lot of what the Absolutely. world is. And you is... know what? I want to take a quick second of, since you're, you're doing that. You're right. And shout out, shout out to Jess, um, my rhyming partner on this project, you know, um, for those who aren't familiar with Jess, like he's a MC, producer, engineer, graphic designer, video oh editor, video editor. It, there's not, I call him the cheat code. There is not like a program computer you can put him in front of that he won't have figured out some ill fucking shit within a few like minutes to an hour of being in front of it. You know what I mean? And he can do all those things. He can. He could have produced the entire project. He could have engineered, mixed it down, mastered it himself. He could have did the artwork. He could have. He could have did everything to this project. But he allowed me to do what I do and to lead 
And in my leading, I told him I didn't want him to do any of it except rap. I didn't want him to do nothing but rap. You know, I wanted him to put his producer hat to the side. I told him to keep on making his money because he makes, you know, money, uh, good money, producing, you know, beats for, you know, uh, art, artists online and artists in, in the underground in New York City. And so I didn't, like, try to keep him from anything. But, like, I did ask him to, like, just trust me. And we picked a majority of the beats together. I picked, like I said, I had the beats for my solo. And a majority of them we ended up on the project. But and then we ended up picking a bunch of other beats that weren't on the project together. But they were out of the beats I had already had picked. But he had trusted me to do that. You know what I mean? And, like, that's, like, really huge to, like, you know, be able to do everything yourself and to instead, like, allow your partner to be like, yo, I'm going to take care of that. Like, let's just focus on this. So shout out to him for being, like, an amazing yo, partner on this album. Like, when I go to my, like, because I'm in corporate America, like, proper middle management. Like, I'm not rich, but I make above average in Canada salary type mm -hmm. shit. Um, and when we do our seminars on how to work better together and how to be better leaders and all that that stuff, I swear it's literally what you're spitting here. So y'all who know mm -hmm. this, man, I don't know if you know the gold mine of knowledge this dude is, but holy crap, I feel like I'm just being educated. Also, shout out to the fact that we have a record of 14 viewers at once. This is a behind that suit record. Yo, shout so out to all 14 of y'all, yo. Bless y'all. Love y'all all. all. That, it's so cool, to be honest. Um, And the chat's lit, too. It just keeps popping it off. Is. And that's I, like, I'm I want to keep. I want to. I want to focus on yo, it, but I also like, don't want to lose focus on the nah, interview. We gotta, we gotta, we got, yeah. we gotta have trust that they're having a good time and we're entertaining. You know, it's just kind of like Word. what we're saying. Yeah. I think yeah. they understand. Hope y'all understand. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so that's amazing, dude. I really love your ethic and how this like project just was like put together because it's like again, it's almost like. Something, I don't know if it was on or off camera that you said this, but you were interested in like the idea of groups. So yes. if we just take it back to you being like young. So you're young, Lyricist Lounge is ending. You're kind of part of a little group there. So young, let's so, go back okay, to your you know story. What? The group, the young and the, the group thing always came from like after Biggie being the first, you know, puberty thing that you fall in love with first artist, right? The next thing that I fell in love with was Wu-Tang. And the mm. idea of 10 men, 10 brothers together, standing together. And like, there's, you know what it goes back to? The cartoon that my older brother put me onto when I was a little kid, Voltron. Voltron. Okay. That's what it goes back to, is forming like Voltron. There's nothing more amazing to me than like seeing a group of people together get to a goal doesn't matter what it is doesn't matter if it's sports art entertainment like you know the workplace like there is nothing more beautiful than the synergy that happens between people working together towards a common goal that that's like probably like one of the most like the way that people look at you know all sorts of like beauty and nature and in life and in the world or you know you go to tumblr tumblr is one of my favorite websites um or, or social media um, um platform you really use tumblr and like yeah, you currently I use I tumblr i i what, still use tumblr what's yeah. the point of tumblr um, today uh i mean it's everything that everybody thinks that um 
what's that stupid Google thing that pinned the pin thing? Uh, Pinterest. Uh, Pinterest. It's yeah. everything that everybody swears Pinterest is, but it's actually fucking lit and cool and cutting okay. edge instead okay. of like, you know, all, all this drowned out same echo chamber shit. You know what I mean? Like Respect. the kids that are on there still and the people that are on there still are all like, you know, they're there because they know that there isn't nobody paying attention. They don't care. They're not doing it for everybody paying attention. And they're still affecting the culture to this day right now, like popular culture and hip hop oh, culture. Um, so like uh, ASAP Mob wouldn't exist if it wasn't for um, uh, Tumblr. Um, ASAP Yams who connected with Bodega Bams and Flatbush Zombies and all these artists, like, started creating kind of a modern-day Wu-Tang environment with those acts in the 2000s. That all happened thanks to Tumblr. So, like, Tumblr is still, like, actually, like, wild, like, active in ways. Um, but, like, what I love about it is that it has all these things. Like, you can, if you're into science, you're just going to find wild like beautiful images of like the earth and science things. And if you're into technology, if you're into whatever you're into, there's going to be um, these beautiful images of it. And so to me, if you could, if we could find a way of like putting humans working together in an image that like as the perfect images, you know what I mean? Like that would be like, to me, the most beautiful thing on earth. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's amazing. It's like so everybody I, working together. I really love what you said. And I'm about to be a little bit of an old man here. But I need a two-minute pee break. So I'm going to go nah, to the bathroom real quick. Yeah, no. Nah, you know and, what? Uh, I've been wanting to wash my hands. That's perfect. All of y'all watching, literally it'll be two minutes. And then we'll be right back. So appreciate your patience, everyone. I mean, you know, I'll be on the mic the entire time, guys. I'm here for you. You know what I mean? I'm about to check the comments. Let me wash my hands. I'm a super, uh, like, uh, hair, uh, hair. Uh, my hair is in my way. Uh, hand washing weirdo. And this was even pre-COVID. Like, I wash my hands, like, four times in an hour. I see the real Fox. Tiffany is in the building. I was just at her crib last week, and I washed my hands three times when I was there. And I think I was only there for like, maybe like two hours. <laughs> uh, oh, you know what? Let me put uh, my champagne in the fridge so it don't get warm. You know what? Let me top myself up first before I do that. All right. All right. Boom. All right. Comments. Yeah, yo. Love Tumblr, sis. Yo, Chris. When I'm in Montreal next time, we link. For real. Facts. Tiffany said, or the real Fox said, uh, respect to everyone who has genuine love for the culture. Big facts. 
Eodom or Mighty Eodub. Big facts. Shouts out to Eodub. Twitchy the Foot. Shouts to Sarah Connor, Tony. Big facts. Shouts to Sarah Connor. Yo, I appreciate y'all waiting for me like that. The one thing I learned about this Twitch is my bladder betrays me, and I might, I might be good for a good hour, hour and a bit, and then we'll see what happens. So, uh, sorry to interrupt like that. I was totally uh, going to be losing uh, my focus half an hour. You know what? I'm, I'm still right there. So picking up right there, it's Voltron, it's Wu Tang, and to me, there like there's nothing more amazing than the camaraderie amongst man and woman and human beings getting to a certain point together. So that's where like, I really, really, uh, was dedicated to, um, this and, and it, it stems all from that, from Voltron. <laughs> My older brother putting me onto Voltron. That's crazy before though. Wu-Tang. I mean, the truth is the only place i really know voltron from is is the wu-tang line like like the, or the skit or whatever i know it's on 36 chambers i can't even remember what song it is mm-hmm. but um that's the only and then i learned about voltron so like without wu-tang i would have no idea what you meant but because of wu-tang that made sense to me wu-tang is pretty good um but i i, I love the collective angle as well but mm-hmm. for yourself though um when did it like start to manifest i guess was it just you were always involved in collectives or groups or did you have um any kind of a, a solo career before that no yeah i mean the entire time i i've always looked at it kind of like wu-tang you know what i mean it's like when i was a part of the blackout gods i was a member of the blackout gods but i was also solo artist dutch vega um uh and then i've been a part of like loud duos and groups ever since then i'm a member of the bronx zoo animals still to this day um i'm a member of uh we're the liddy bros we're uh high society records is the label we had a, a project together me just james and just days um me just james and sarah connor are like always a, a trio, whether we're together or not, you know what I mean? Like we've never actually done a project together, but like you always see us together cause those were brother and sisters. Um, so like, yeah, I've always been a part of me and my brother, Hot Rizzo is like, that's when I was like first coming out, like one of my first demos, I did my first demos. Um, just, yeah, I've always been a part of a, a group, but I've always done solo work as well. Fair enough. I think it's interesting, though, because, like, for myself, I made a big mistake when I started out. I had a bit of an ego. I started in 2012, and I decided that I wasn't going to play nice with people. I was going to be a little egotistical, and I spent a good five years burning bridges without really understanding mm-hmm. what I was doing, and it took a good three years to rebuild most of those bridges, just so that you know, mm-hmm. if you go ahead and have an ego... It could take you three to four years to prove to the world that you are, in fact, a little more legitimate than they once thought. But what I love uh-huh. about your story that everyone can learn from and learn from my mistakes, right, is that it's not a solo game. Like, there's just, you know, when you hear people talk about it being a solo game, it's just not. Like, it's all networking. Yeah. In fact, the main focus of my next project is to be feature heavy because mm-hmm. it's called the, the, the Ascent. It's meant to represent uh-huh. my rise. And the epiphany I had is I have to work with everyone. Yeah. I started doing interviews. 
And that changed my life. Dude, this is like my 18th interview. It's not like I've done that many, right? But in that little amount, it took over a year to get that many. But it's like, wow, to this moment here where it feels so big and like, you know, like so much has happened in my life in terms of just positioning myself as somebody that gives back. And it's just, Mm -hmm. it's dope. And it's all about building teams in in my mind, at least, or trying to to work as like the Montreal scene, let's say, or in this case, education for all of us on how a dude from new york is doing it because that's so fascinating too but in your your story it's like you met some ogs they passed down the knowledge which is fantastic yo thank you dama she she complimented yeah big me. facts I couldn't, I couldn't big facts it. dama i think so too I, I was i was waiting for the the space too but yeah absolutely i think that you're i think that you clearly you did a lot of um uh self analyzing and trying to get better in those 18 interviews yes um i i try to think about well joe rogan is my inspiration so i try to go what would joe rogan do because whatever anyone says about his politics that guy's king he's he is tupac as far as Mm -hmm. uh, uh podcasting goes and i know what i said there but he challenges the status quo in a way that allows me to be here us, we wouldn't have a 90 minute live feed today if it wasn't for Joe Rogan. So I look yeah. at it like if you tra- trace that history like that, it's fantastic. Um, you yeah. know, thanks everybody. You guys are making me blush and shit. But no, for me, it's just this knowledge thing. You are, it's a gift. I'm being gifted. I'm being taught how it works in another place, right? That's an opportunity to yeah. see the window. Because I do these album reviews. I talk about Griselda records. You think I fucking really understand what it's like to be anything around that world? I know that. You're affiliated with people who know these people. That's insane to me. Like, literally, if you checked it behind that suit Twitter, it says we support Rhyme Sayers and Griselda's because those are my two favorite labels to back right now in 2020. Yeah. Because yeah. Rhyme yeah. Sayers hits the geek in me and Griselda, yo, there's yeah. nobody with balls bigger. That's how I look at yeah, Griselda. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so absolutely. just to, like, be by, just, it feels so, like, you gave me your time, dude. Like, that's how I feel right now. And you're gifting us with education. Like, again, like, learn from your elders. Because your elders taught yeah. you the foundations of freestyle. And what I learned yeah. is you need to know how to freestyle because nobody wants to hear your song unless you can bust a hot, you know, 16 off the dome and a thing. Because everybody can write a song. But can you also do that shit? I don't know. What I learned is you need to know how to do that shit. So fucking learn. And if you can't do it, wash dishes 20 minutes every time. Boom, bust a freestyle. You'll learn how to rap. Mm-hmm. It's just pretty simple practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you are like collectives and squads. And that's like the next step. So you get the interest. You learn the foundational elements. You went and found elite lyricists. Yo, I think it was Rod Digger that was part of Lyricist Lounge is what I, I learned yeah. in that album review. Like that, she's like connected to flip mode. I mean, we're talking that tier of people is up in Lyricist Lounge, right? Yeah. Like. Yeah, that's where absolutely. you went to get it. So you uh, went to learn from the greats. Kuali, most oh, definitely, most used to pro- pro- perform all their stuff. Uh, that album that they dropped together, they oh. they were performed that stuff at Lyricist Lounge before they ever put it out. Also, um, Pharrell Munch that we were talking about earlier, he used to perform at Lyricist Lounge on a regular basis. Holy uh, there, shit! It was LP. this whole. It was this whole. Yeah, it was LP, uh, Company oh Flow, wild people, wild people, wild people, wild people, Cage, all those guys. Everybody who is on, uh, I would highly recommend that people go watch the Stretch and Bobbito, um, uh documentary. And in that documentary, everybody that would go up to that radio station of theirs would be at Lyricist Lounge probably when they were coming into town or just period because that was those... Those were the major like platforms back then in the underground, and those guys were all 
And actually, you know what? To bring it back to Lyricist Lounge and me bringing them up, I brought them up because it was one of the lessons that I learned early on in all this. My 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 guys taught me how to freestyle. I was already pretty beastly with um, my writing ability. Um, one of my first rhymes that my my big brother OG um, be, like like best friend for over twenty years now, Hot Rizzo, um, says he always like when we're drunk. He always cites this as uh, as a uh, as um. He always cites this as like his like yo. I knew Dutch was nice when he said um lyric. I I think it was that I said I was uh I was uh incredibly hyped like the Hulk on coke, and that was like the bar that like he knew like back then. Like he was like yo. It was a lot of trash around that bar, but that bar, boy, when you hit that, like, you know, it was one of those things that in New York, that's how you impress people, like, is having, like, a, a bar that was, like, you know, back then in the 90s that was, like, that would make everybody on the block, you know what I mean? Like, like stopping their tracks and I be have, like, oh, shit. I have a question. And so, to just to wrap it up, so the, uh, at that last Lyricist Lounge show, I was with Gene Gray and with Lyric, and Jean Grey was getting chased around by uh, these uh, white dudes with a camera that ended up putting out a, vi a documentary movie called Freestyle, The Art of Rhyming. And um, they were trying to get her on camera. And I was always playing defense for her and for Lyric back then. And so, like, uh, backstage, they were trying to get her. And I was like, hold, hold, hold on. And I literally stopped them like security. And I'm like, listen, man. You know what I mean? Like, she's not going to rap for you guys. But if you want to hear an amazing freestyle, I got you right now. And so, like, I was going to start rhyming for them. And as they're headed towards, like, backstage deeper in to the stage area, coming from backstage is Tash from the Alcoholics. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Alcoholics. They're a, a hip-hop group from the 90s. They were, they're from the West Coast. They are actually a part of one of the most legendary. Exhibit wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the Liquid Crew. Okay. And he would tell you that. Um, and so they, the Liquid Crew is the name of their, their crew, as in like, oh, King T, Exhibit, all these other guys that are solo, along with the Alcoholics, the group. But... Um, the Alcoholics, the group, clearly got their name from the Liquid Crew, right? So Tash is pretty known then. He already had a solo album out at this point. He had an amazing verse from Andre 3000 on his solo album before um, Andre 3000 verses were a thing. He actually had one of the illest Andre 3000 verses. So I would highly suggest people go check out Tash's first solo album um, and check out the Snoop Dogg uh outcast feature that's on there and so tash is coming from the backstage and i met him previously at another show and i asked him to stop if he if he if he had not to stop i asked him if he would be you know do me the privilege of listening to me rap and he puts his fucking arm around me and he fucking just like lets me fucking go and i'm rapping to this camera and i'm rapping i'm rapping and boom, guys get their footage. They move They move on. Jean Grey is already gone, so she doesn't have to worry about them. You know, like, I'm pretty sure they, you know, there was, like, another four times in the night that I had to, like, stop them. But the point is, um, Tash, then I look at him and I say to him, hey, 
what did you think? And like the white boys with the cameras, these documentary guys, they 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 they're moving on. And like he realizes, like he looks, it's private. It's just me and him. He was like, "Yo, your lyrics are on point, but your flow is trash, my guy. You gotta work on that shit." You know what I mean? And like that is what those are the gems. These are the, this is how I to close mm-hmm. up the whole question that you asked about the learning and the things that I learned. Those things, you know what I mean? Like my guys taught me to freestyle. But they didn't fucking like really like focus on my flow and like teach me. And it's also one of those things where like they weren't supposed to teach me that. You're not. They, you're not gonna. They're not gonna walk for me. You know what I mean? Like you gotta walk on your own. You know what I mean? And so yeah, these did. gems are the gems that I picked up in my yeah. early journey. And that's what you know to answer your question for. Sorry. I love everything you're saying because I understand that flow thing. Sometimes uh, I lose focus on flow, and then my engineer yells at me. But yo, that last bit about um, nobody's gonna walk for you, that's a fresh one that you brought up. That's a good nugget that we we just gotta point out. That's brilliant. That's like you could read a book just to learn what he just said there. Um, yo, I like what Tony just said. Pun didn't just wake up and start flowing the way he did. He's focus and practice, you know? Yeah. You know, what's amazing is that Pun put those limericks he would use for practice as skits on his album straight up. Yeah. Packing the back in the middle of the middle, packing the back in the back of the back, packing the back in the back of the back. I don't know. For me, like, Anyway, um, yeah, that just in the like, middle of Little Italy was also one of those. Yeah. Joe constantly says that in interviews that he told him, he was like, What the fuck was that? And he's like, Just the thing that I do to get myself. I used to do things like that when I first started going to the studio because of hearing that story, you know yeah, what I mean? Was, and it would be um, like, Get get yourself ready for the booth, you know what I mean? Little, little things to get yourself loose and, and ready. Do you normally to, warm up? Do you warm up like that usually? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's fresh. I never I, back I, in the never days. Back in the days, not anymore. And now, now it's uh, making sure that my vibe is on point. Like I mm-hmm. can't, I can't let my vibe get ruined. Like I used to go to a studio in Jersey. Just my first album, Jess, was recorded at Jess James's, um, the dojo when it was in Jersey City, which Jess James like came up from the Nunzio. Yeah, my first ever solo album. Um, when was that? Uh, what year? That was actually next year will be ten years. So two thousand eleven. Yep. That's dope. See this is that yeah. good shit for that Wikipedia page. And um and uh that uh that that studio was in a part of Jersey City where like I had to take a path train and a bus if I wanted to get there and like I would not take the bus when I would get there because I'd be like, nah, bro, it's so packed and it gets me in a bad mood. You know what I mean? And I knew that I had to avoid that bad mood at all costs or that's going to like reflect in the session. Like I'm not going to mm-hmm. sound like I want to like I want to be there. I'm not going to sound as comfortable. Your voice, all these things that like you think don't matter, matter so much when it comes to music, I think. Like these like your mood at the moment, that's why sometimes if you are making an angry song and you happen to be angry, that's going to fucking sound incredible. You know what I mean? Like, if, if you're really brokenhearted when you write your brokenhearted song, you're going to be able to tell that on the record. You know what I mean? Like, it, the, 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 the transfer of energy comes across in your voice. And if you don't keep your, like, energy in the right mind state, you're just going to, like, you might as well just fucking have stayed home. Like, you know what I mean? But there's a lot of, in the underground, the reason that a lot of rappers, I feel, don't make it to, like, from back in the days to now 
is like there's a lot of reasons, but one of the main reasons is like they don't know how to be honest with themselves about the lack of effort that they give sometimes. And like there were plenty of songs that I've done in my time that like, yeah, I was like, yeah, that's good. That's that's a good take. Take that. And it's just like, was it though? Was that my best? Was it really my best? You know what I mean? Like that I really, really, that I dial in, that I like, did I sit at home, memorize this verse? Did I go into the booth without the fucking phone or the paper in front of me, which most rappers do, you know what I mean? And they don't understand that like, you sound like you're reading. Not all of us are capable of reading like, you know, we belong in front of like a, 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 a school giving a lesson to a class, you know what I mean? Some of us are not those type of readers and it comes across in the songs, you know what I mean? Mm. And so like, there's all sorts of little ways that you could give effort to your music that most rappers that aren't on don't put in. And the thing that they hate about most of the guys that are on the radio is that thing that they actually can't achieve. That's what those guys achieve. You know what I mean? Getting in that pocket, getting in that fucking pocket on the song because they, they're not the smartest guys, maybe. Maybe they are the guys that are like, you know, they weren't the smartest guys, but that, because they weren't the smartest guys, that's why they don't bother writing their shit and why they fucking memorize their fucking bars. And then they, by the time they have it memorized and it's so in the pocket on the beat that they go in that motherfucker and they lay it down one time and that's it, that's the take. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's just one of those things where it's just like, I think that... that uh, artists in the underground are like tend to not always be honest mm. with themselves about things, and that's where a lot of their flaws can come across. You know what? I love what you said there because something I've been personally struggling with um, is the fucking pocket. That's not, not the pocket. So, it is, it, it, but like to it's the memorization thing and just one taking and on all of that. So I I record in my room, and I guess I do like a thousand fucking takes in a row. And then over the course of that, I memorize the verse and then I finally yep. like it and it takes me days. Yeah. But then I thought about it. I'm recording in my room, these guys who maybe, and that's a luxury of cost savings. Okay. So like, yeah. I don't have to actually spend it. But if I actually had to like get everything done in an hour and a half, I'd probably just probably you know, just take a bad take all those takes that I did in my room by myself not visible and then walk in and one take it and i like that you almost burst the illusion of what a one take is there it really is just man's put way more practice behind the scenes than you were willing to put in and yeah i respect the shit out of that because the truth is i was struggling with a verse my engineer slapped me he said bro you know that's not it and i said you're right that's not it and then i realized that memorized the verse i changed two words and it fits and it's amazing how memorizing lets you find the pocket in a way that like Reading, you're reading. You're distracted, like your brain, like literally at that level. I love, I love what you're saying. I think you're just teaching people so much shit. Um, yeah. I had a question though, for real, reals, because um, well, how do you define a bar? Like one of the things that I struggled Yo, so long with just, as a reviewer. There is no, uh, there is no. That's something good, that okay, rap. Has what's a taken good into New a... York bar based on what you defined earlier on in this thing? How would you define that to people? Okay, let's you're say, talking about that. Yeah, yeah, because that's some shit, like, let's say I encounter that a lot as a reviewer, and even having consumed as much music and effort, I still, I don't know, bars is not my strength. It is my weakest point of everything is bars. All right, I can so check flow, it. I can do all sorts of shit, but ah, it's just a t it's so tough. So check it. So, um, so first things first, 
when it comes to bars, like there's something that we say in hip hop a lot, like, oh, he don't got no bars. And it's like, actually, technically speaking, every artist who's ever laid down a song, rap, singing, doesn't matter what structure, it's a song and it has bars. Because a bar is literally just a one, two, three, four count. It's one, two, three, four, one bar. One, two, three, four, two bars. So technically speaking, all artists got bars. You know what I mean? But in the essence of hip hop and what we're talking about, um, no, everybody doesn't have bars. And bars are pretty much like, uh, it could be anything from there's different ways to like look at it like a simile could be a bar a metaphor could be a bar uh a straight rap you know straight talk uh bar could be a great bar jay-z is one of my favorite rappers of all time and it's because he just real talks better than everybody else like he talks to people like for real like this is life gem shit you know what i mean like like one of my favorite jay-z uh 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 Things was from ignorant shit and he says um uh so um most most these rappers uh he, he pretty much was saying like don't believe everything you see unless it's spit by me and even then believe half of what you see and none of he said believe half of what you see and none of what you hear unless it's spat by me and even then uh oh man i really wish i could remember it uh I'm actually yeah. going to look it up real quick. No, it's totally um, fine. I appreciate it's a, it. It's live. It's a, Everybody it, gets it. It's a, it's one of those bars where it's just like, yo, um, don't believe everything that you see in hip-hop, like, unless the, that you hear. Don't believe nothing that you hear ever. You know what I mean? Only believe the things that you can see. And even then, only believe some of that that you can actually mm. see. Because even some of that is going to be fucking illusions. You know what I mean? Um, you know what I love just on that subject is when people flash those pictures, at tw- like in Canada, at least it'll be a bunch of twenties and they'll usually be a good thousand dollars. And I thought to myself, if it was payday and I just cashed my paycheck and took a picture and I held up a stack next to my fucking ear and then I went ahead and paid my bills, I could go out with my day and have a really, really good picture. Cause yes, every two weeks I clear more than a thousand dollars. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, nah, it's it's one of those things. Like you don't believe. So the bars are actually like he said. Uh, they're all actors looking at themselves in the mirror backwards. Can't even face themselves. Don't fear no rappers. They're all weirdos, De Niro's in practice. Mm. So don't believe everything your earlobe captures. It's mostly backwards. Unless it happens to be as accurate as me and everything said in song you happen to see, then actually believe half of what you see, none of what you hear, even if it's spat by me. And with that said, I will kill niggas dead. See, he's being facetious. Like, he immediately is like, like, believe, don't believe anything from these rappers unless it's spat by me, you know, because I'm showing you the real, you know what I mean? And even then, only half of what you see. And with that said, I will kill niggas dead. Like, I will shoot you motherfuckers. You know what I mean? Like, he immediately follows it up being facetious. You know what I mean? Mm. But that's like a straight rap. It's it's just a bunch of wordplay. There's no actual metaphor or simile in there. You know what I mean? Um, different rappers go about it differently. Redman used to get um, R- Rhyme of the Month a lot in the Source Double X and the Source. 
when that actually mattered. And something he said in one of his interviews that I saw as a little kid, and I was just like, word, that's what I got to do, was he was like, I just write one really amazing bar, and I build a whole verse around it. So, like, you just got to think of, like, the illest shit you can say and just pretty much build around that is the way I took it from Red Man. You know what I mean? And that's one of the guys whose, like, pen game is impeccable, you know? And so uh, that's just something that I kind of, like, adopted. But it's not like I focus on that anymore. Now more to more, more important to me than the bars being, like, this this crazy thing is that the song really, like, hits well. I used to focus on the bars so much that my flow sounded like forced and not comfortable and in the pocket. And the more that I let go of focusing on the bars being like, yo, let me focus on making like all this wordplay keep on making sense and 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 focusing on all this. Uh, yo, I swear if I falling up... back from that and doing just making sure that the music is good, it makes it that the the bars it's not the the number one priority anymore necessarily speaking for me not for real like i i hear that and like i'm going through my own process with this right um at a certain point you want people to listen to your music right because i feel like as an artist you're creating for that angle and i wrote a lot of really like i know that i'm not the most marketable person because of the life i live and how my world isn't necessarily reflected in hip-hop as it is and then the world I'm in isn't necessarily the biggest fan of hip-hop as it is outside of that pop sphere. So just, you know, a bunch of shit like that. But then I realized, I'm like, sometimes it's just like, if you're writing shit, like, like I love Aesop Rock. I just reviewed his album last night. I had to Google a couple of words. And I, I read a lot. And I realized yeah. that's a level of effort that's high. And now I am Yeah, he's he, him, him and Eminem both put in, like, to them, that is of the utmost importance. To me, I look at it, I think, the way that, like, Jay and Kanye, like, Jay's always, Jay has always looked at it like the, like, the bars are important, too, but more important than that is, like, the songs being good. Like, I want you mm. to want to listen to my music, not just because we're friends, not just because, you know, um, uh, uh, it fits this criteria of what you think you love but because it's actually good music and most rappers don't really focus on that most rappers especially like the more like lyrical that you're worrying about and the more that you're worrying about the bars the like i think that there's like all sorts of mcs that are like some of the greatest guys that you could even see that in like jada kiss is one that like he's a great mc but i don't think that uh, I don't want to say that he like never put out a great album, but I'll tell you this: out of the three members of the Locks, the only one that I think has a solo classic hip hop album is Styles P. And Styles P isn't the one that has an album titled "Top Five That Are Alive." He isn't the one that has that as his like tagline. You know what I mean? He isn't the one that like people are necessarily putting in their top five. You know what I mean? But it's like you know he that. still he still was lyrical enough to be that guy's partner. And to some people like me, like and other people, Styles is the more lyrical guy in certain aspects. And he's the one who kind of got the classic hip hop album because 
he wasn't necessarily focused maybe on being that every bar. While Jada Kiss, every bar kind of has to show out because he's this rapper that has like put himself in this place and he like creates music and or created music once upon a time, I think, in that way. I think now he's more focused musically and that's reflected in his music. You know what I mean? That's just so, me in my opinion, though. No, but so like here's the thing: as you're saying that, right? I did review one of the newer Styles P's albums. It has a song called "Bubble Up" on it, and that shit has such a hook. Like it just gets stuck in my head, and the way he built on it, it wasn't like trying to flex on me. It was just a really great chorus that got yeah. stuck in my head, and I've had yeah. it on my playlist for like three years. Whereas not many songs will last three years on my playlist but i can't help it yeah. the song comes on and it's just so well constructed sonically like to your yeah. music he's saying all this stuff right but here's the thing about the liddy bros in my head right now i'm going liddy, 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 liddy. like that kind of shit's going on or like all the yeah. time i've been like chop 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 you know like it's just been playing in yeah. my head or like you know to me those are super important things like i think that the as an mc and in <laughs> writing that was one of the most important things to me. I've always had bars that people will be like, yo, that bar made me look at you like, yo, you have like an ill pen game. And I appreciate that. But like in that, like what I noticed is that most of those bars, what people really appreciate the most about it is like it's clever. It's really mm -hmm. clever. You know what I mean? And so I tend to go for clever, try to go for clever things, try to say clever things in a fun way and um and i think that that comes across well in music when you don't force it you don't do it too much and you are trying to really just make good music you know, you know what i mean like it comes in handy i loved on your i don't remember what track it is but one of them you're like sniffy sniff drippy drip yeah the, the way you sequence the order of it was like i'm gonna do a line i'm gonna do it a little and this but you made it sound almost like infantile silly in the perfect way to fit it like you're just so gone you're just vibing and just the way you did it it's been stuck in my head like I, like i haven't heard the album that many i heard it one time and then i heard it one more time today i'm not even gonna lie so i heard it that one time and i had so many parts of it that just got okay i heard a couple of the music videos maybe so two times so a lot of that was just stuck in my head and i just think that when you're saying all this it sounds like you really really care about hooks I mean, yeah. I don't mean hooks in the concept of choruses because I looked it up. Choruses and hooks are not the same thing. A chorus no. is a repetitious part of your song that's meant to drive it and typically serves the function of breaking up your verses and tying home the main central theme. A hook is literally anything in the song that hooks you. And, that, and yeah. it could be multiple hooks. It could be the beat. Yeah. It could be a common line at the start of ever. It's not the chorus. It's just nine times yeah. out of ten these days it is. So it feels to me like you put a lot of effort into layering hooks into your music. Yeah, uh, I'll give you a little secret. Um, like as far as like how I do that. Um, I'll come up sometimes with a hook and I will feel like uh, maybe that hook isn't the right hook for the song. And I'll come up with another hook and it'll be better um or maybe i'll do that hook like champagne and cocaine that you're talking about i had a, i had another beat for that but it didn't feel as in the pocket the hook and then when i picked the beat that it ended up on it felt super in the pocket and then because that beat did what it did it made me uh use a line that i had in the song that i had planned for the song 
as an extra that part the 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 sniffy sniff yeah and so well-placed ad lib yeah and so um then uh the hook that i originally had was um the whole pop 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 champagne which ended up being the hook for party instead which is a mixture of two hooks from two different songs which was the original party instead song that you hear on the video version the second song the edm one that was a song i had put out previously and then this one that is on the liddy bros album is the reprisal and what i did with that was i took the hook from a project that i kind of did in between these projects which was pop champagne and i used the hook from that to and combined with the uh, party instead and i put together party instead and then I used some of that line in my verse when I said pop, 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 champagne, chop, 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 cocaine. And I came up with that for that song, champagne and cocaine. But then I used it for the party instead because it felt like it could also be used in another song. And also, the more that you repeat things to people, like rappers tend to look at that as like, oh, that's corny or uh like you know it's um you're you're trying too hard things like that but it's like well what what are you doing are you a brand or are you not are you trying to get people to fuck with you or not you know what i mean like i'm putting something i'm this whole album is a vibe i want people to want to drink champagne and do cocaine when they listen to this music i want them to that's why there isn't like a track like we had gotten a review for this album and dude was like you know like that it was one dimensional and i'm just like well what the fuck did you expect bro like did you want me to like do a sad song at the end of the album about the woes of coming down off cocaine or did you expect me to do some super lyrical corny shit where i rap about the perspective of a brick of fucking cocaine coming from columbia uh and being a coca leaf all the way to new york city and being sniffed up somebody knows and then they're fucking like bro that's corny that's not music that people are gonna ever come back to more than the one time you know what I mean? Like that's music that like you listen to one time and you tell people like, yo, that's dope. And then you never listen to it again. The shit that you listen to is the shit that people bust out at the cookout, the shit that you play at the wedding, the shit that gets played at the party, the shit that gets played at the, at the, at the, at the parties, like the, the shit that gets played at festivals are the most popular songs mixed with the songs that might not have been singles, but became popular because people literally drove that song to become popular because it was their favorite song and it was many people's favorite song. You know what I mean? And so that's what matters to me. And that's what I focus on more than anything. I love what you're saying, man. I feel like in a lot of ways, I have a lot of conversations with people I know and they don't necessarily look at the way the data speaks. I don't know how much you care about data, but it sounds to me like big data is not a foreign concept to you or at least marketing. No, because basically like ever since I read the big data book, I read that one time a couple of years back. I'm like, okay, the world's really fucking big and there's a lot of numbers that tell a lot of stories and we could argue Mm -hmm. with stuff. Right. But even Google trends can tell you a lot. Right. Like, and this is just publicly, everyone can go validate stuff. And the fact of the matter is we can hate about it all you want. And I know this isn't going to be a popular opinion, 
But 6ix9ine makes some bangers. Would I, do I respect the guy? No. But does the guy understand the science of pop hits? Very well. And like, I know a lot of people that bump his music. I know he's not a popular person and I'm not trying to promote him in some way. But that guy's going to come back again with another smash hit. And a lot of people who don't give a fuck about any of the things a lot of people give a fuck about are going to push him to a chart position. Maybe not number one anymore. And it's just because of a lot of what you're saying. He focuses on these elements of what people actually want to listen to. Like people get like troll culture. So he became a troll. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and I don't mean to like compare you to that, but I think in terms of your marketing intelligence, you're actually right up there with guys like him who who really see the strings of how social media work, how the whole game works. And I think it's really commendable because it's like you're not, I, I work with a guy who goes, don't fight gravity. And it sounds to me like you recognize the force of gravity yeah. in music. You, just, you stop trying to, to, to fight it. It looks like uh, Flacco Bayo uh, just followed us on Twitch. Hey. <laughs> I just realized that I wasn't. <laughs> That's real dope, though. I'll make sure to do all the uh, I'll do the Link Bros page, too. That's real we got fresh. one of those. But I, yeah. uh, so do you care a lot about this stuff? Are you into, like, Yeah, no, I, I do. I mean, I do care about, I'll uh, tell you like this. Um, when I was hanging out with um, the way that me and Lyric, a.k.a. Sarah Connor, um, caught back up um, when we did and I started hanging out with her and Jean Grey was because she was my older sister's like friend in junior high school and they stopped being friends and then I didn't see her around for a few years and then I became a grown ass man and um, I was out on a street team. I was doing marketing and promotions um, working on a street team like giving out CDs and posters on for record labels back in the days when I was a teenager, um, like fresh out of high school. So um, that was like how Hermie caught back up. And it was in the middle of me being like, you know, the little homie to the homies on the block, you know, um, on Blackout God and having this like as my first job outside of high school, um, you know, uh, in the music industry, doing marketing and promotions. So, like, yeah, uh, uh, marketing is not a foreign concept to me. Um, promotions, numbers is something that, like, isn't, like, my, I'm not going to, like, sit here and act like it's my, like, oh, that's my forte. But, like, uh, I'm not afraid of them, and I've been getting familiar. Uh, do, doing this project and really, really trying to do it right and push it, like, the right way and do all the stuff that, like, it needs so that it can get to people who've never heard of us um you gotta learn a lot of this stuff you know what i mean like gotta learn about pixels and shit and i'm just like what you mean like the pixels on the tv and it's like no not those pixels <laughs> you know yeah. so it's just like yeah like numbers aren't foreign and um i didn't uh necessarily i'm not a slave to the numbers but uh i pay attention to them and i definitely um, in the middle of trying to learn to comprehend them as a record label um, runner. Yo, Fresh, we can have conversations all about that off camera that nobody really wants me to go in that level of detail. Like, I'll <laughs> teach you whatever you got to know that I know. Uh, but shout out to Real Fox for uh, following because that's real dope. I respect that. Um, anyhow, um, so yeah. This is, man, this is really good. I just kind of like got distracted for a quick second. Sometimes I find that happens with the live. You're like in the middle of a chain of thought. And then, nah, it's all good. Um, 
That's so that crazy, happens though. to me literally all the time because I'm a pothead. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Um, so that's crazy that your first job though is down there. But it sounds to me like you're the kind of guy that like I guess talk to a lot of people about stuff because if like I feel like your insights are too profound. Like you had to have talked to a large number of people about what they care about to have gotten to this kind of thing. And it's just the feeling I have. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, um, what do you mean to the to to champagne and cocaine and as no, the just, album, uh, or just how you perceive the world, right? Like, oh no, you're coming yeah, at all of this I mean, from a point where it's like I thought a lot about what the people want. It's not what I want anymore. I mean, you have what you want, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't think you would have picked champagne and cocaine if you were being completely selfless. Um, but uh, I'm just saying, like, the idea of how you got to this level of epiphanies to create the best kind of product, like. I, I don't know even you so you're doing like promo as a youngster i guess you're literally handing out flyers to people at that point you're starting to collect data in a sense like you're talking to people you you know you're going to hear what they have to say what they like what they don't like what tactics make people even want to come to a show you know all of that from a young age which is really interesting to me because i don't know how many people actually get at least hear that kind of experience in such a place like new york yeah, I think that that's that, that was what I was going to go to with it is that that's the only reason. Like, I try to explain it to people. Like, I'm like, yo, I probably have met millions of people at this point in my life. And it's because in New York City, you can easily, like, across the, the your, you know, across the years of a lifetime, getting on the train, getting off the train, the people that you're crossing in this city of, like, we're our population is eight million. And that's what you are. That's what they have accounted for. That's not what they are not accounting for. That's that does not include the millions of illegal immigrants that are not registered in any of their anything. You know what I mean? That does not count the literal millions of people that live in border cities um, in different states, whether it's Jersey City and Jersey or New Haven in Connecticut, or Philly, or the Poconos, or even Boston. People commute from all those cities into New York City every day for work. You know what I mean? So it's just one of those things where, like, there's literally, like, probably at any given moment, there's probably double the amount of people in New York City, like 16 million people. And if you're like me, and you're the type of person that goes into the city, which is the shit that everybody that, like, thinks of New York City thinks of when they think of New York City, like Times Square and the Empire State Building and those areas, like when you go into those areas, you're literally on the, like the, between the train and the street, you're crossing paths with millions of people. Let's not get into like when you're doing a job like marketing and promotions where your job is literally to show up to big crowds of people, to give big crowds of people free stuff or pro- free swag or, you know, uh, you know, promotional items to try to get them interested in the product that you're trying to sell them and whatnot. Like, you're meeting millions of people, literally, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, like, I've met a lot, a lot of people in my lifetime, but more importantly than that, like, I think that it's just that I've paid attention when I learned from intelligent people and i've learned from a lot of intelligent Mm. people in my lifetime um and everybody's capable of being intelligent at any point even a broken clock is right twice a day like jay said so like with that in mind even an idiot can tell can teach you something and and like like bring enlightenment into your life like literally like i was crowdsourcing a majority of this stuff from like 
my own circle. When we were, when we, when I was still in the middle of like allocating all the stuff for the packaging, I still hadn't thought of what it was gonna arrive to people in. And one of the homies was like, like, like somebody who like it's not like I hold them in like some high esteem or anything. Like I barely know the person, but they told me like, yo, you know, you should think of packaging. And their, I didn't like any of their ideas. But like them insisting on packaging made me like kind of like think about it. Like I was like very much of the mindset, like, fuck that shit. It's gonna come in the box. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I'm already focusing on all this other shit and getting people all this quality shit. Why would I have to care about that? But then it's like, no, you should care about that. Like you cared this much. Now you're not gonna care about that. And then like on my own drug dealer shit, I thought of the fucking uh Vaxio packaging. <laughs> you know really but smart. like you get you get you get that shit from you get that shit from like i wouldn't have came up with that if that person who like i said it's not that they're not intelligent it's that i don't even know that person like that to know whether or not they are aren't intelligent you know what i mean so it's just like but i am i was crowdsourcing i was paying attention i was saying things and listening to everybody even if I wasn't listening to everybody. You know what I'm saying? Because it was my thing and it's my baby and I was driving the ship and I wanted to like keep my hands firmly planted on that ship and like drive the ship the whole way. But at the same time, like I like we talked about with the Merker thing and with the graphic artists and like with other like just being able to accept it's that. It's crowdsourcing. It's like listening to everybody and being like, Word, that is a good idea. I should probably do that. You know? Like, thank you. You know, give them credit, give them flowers and you know. Yeah, I just want to point out, I feel like what you're doing right here in this conversation is giving people knowledge in the same way. Yeah, now I'm trying to. Because, like, for I'm trying me, to. I'm, I try to approach life like that today. I can't say I always did, but that's how I try to approach life today. So this, is like, it makes mm -hmm. this all, like, a gift, man. Like, there's a lot of great career points. Like, the packaging actually does matter a lot. Like, this kind of stuff. So I tried rap contest recently. I'm gonna be real with you. I don't have the time to memorize a verse for a fucking contest. Like, you know, I was just, I was just wanting mm -hmm. to fucking goof off. But these people gave a shit that I didn't memorize my verse. And, you know, cause I mean, in my head, I'm like, whatever. I just wanted to post it on my Insta where the people don't give a shit that I was reading on the <laughs> screen. They don't care. They know I'm busy. But yeah. like in, the, in the Facebook group, they was like, bro, some guy literally said, you're not a real artist. If you're, and I'm like, holy shit, this is really important <laughs> to people. Like, Bro, that's the shit that Drake got flamed for, yo. And I don't, I'm laughing and I, what you call it, like, I don't agree at all. You know what I mean? Um, With that mindset. I don't agree with, I tell you like this, like, if there's an, another, like, thing that I could, like, have, like, I choose, like, I am trying to pass on as much information as I possibly can because to me, I always realize that like information is like one of the most valuable things on this earth. And like, I appreciate everybody that ever taught me anything that has been able to make my life better and easier. And so if I can do that for anybody in this world, like that's like wow fulfilling in my head. And so um, one of the things that like, shit, I lost it fuck oh it'll come back it'll totally come back but i was just gonna say though it was because it was thinking about your presentation point right but the fact is that person i don't agree with him fuck that guy is my first thought right because yo i don't have time that's my problem though the fact is it's a rap contest if other peeps this so 
This contest, there's this group breaking records. They're from the Maritimes. They put together, I think they're from the Maritimes. It doesn't matter in Canada. Um, and they put together this $500 Facebook contest. I'm telling you, if you want to get, you want to see some shit get lit, yo, Liddy Bros, $500 lit contest. Watch how that shit flies right now. People will take anything for $500 is what I saw. They got like over 100 entries, 126 people to drop a 16, myself included. Mm -hmm. And yo, one dude, he, the man made a music video for it. On free shit, I asked them. Just did it, like, you know, perfect. Like, yo, these people then elevated it to a new status because all the big boys who came out with the good... And it was always about the presentation, either pristine quality and, like, fine cell phone or some great visual aesthetic. They rose to the top. And within three months, they're cruising these groups. And it's to me, it's hilarious, right? Because it's Facebook group contest shit, right? It's like a tier of itself mm -hmm. in its own little Yeah, world. yeah, yeah. But now they got their own little VIPs and celebrities. And it was all these dudes who just took the time to, like, create the presentation. So, like, if a guy like you shows up and does your shit with Chalice and shit, even if they didn't like the bars, it was just the effort to make the visual presentation. So, it, to your credit of what you're saying, I don't have to like what he's saying or agree with him. But the fact that anybody took the time to say that reading is that big of a deal to people made me go, yeah. I got to choose my platform. You gotta, yeah, yeah. Or at least fake it better. <laughs> fake it better. <laughs> fake it better. No big deal, yo. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't like a lot of those. Okay, there we go. That's what it was. I was trying to get to the gem. Is like hip hop was born when hip hop was born. Like if you want to be a real purist of hip hop and you want to prove how pure, like, like your like you know appreciation for the culture is, then you should not care about lyrics like that. Because when this shit first started, it was all about party music and Big fucking, it was not focused facts. on lyrical ability, okay? So like, you should be focusing on party music. You should be focusing on making the fucking jam pop. You should be focusing on getting people on the dance floor to shake their fucking ass. You know what I mean? Like, if you Big really want to be real, like, if you want to be real, real, like, oh, I'm a hip hop purist. Well, are you? Or are you just setting your own terms for what you think hip hop should be? And that's what the problem is, is that there came a point in hip hop where like KRS-One and a lot of guys started like putting like rules to it or like trying to build a structure to it. And it's like, you can't build a structure to art, bro. Like there's like the, the, the thing that hip, like think about this, the contradiction of that. Like hip hop was born out of breaking rules and saying there are no rules. And now you want to put rules to the thing that you, Damn, you know what I mean? Like so I read the gospel no of hip hop. Sense. Like I read the 836 page book he wrote, uh, the gospel of hip hop. So hearing you say that, having read that book hits me in a way, because that book hit me in a way that made me like, we're having this conversation because KRS-One made me feel like I have to get back to my community in that book. I swear, yeah. there's a direct correlation. No. But then when I'm hearing what you're saying and I think about how 80 to 90% of that book did not resonate with me quite to the same level, it actually feels like the Bible a lot. Um, uh, yeah. it, I like what you're saying because it really is true. Something I realized doing album reviews is, um, yo, I don't know that I want to review anything in the 80s that much because like, what the fuck am I going to say about half these tracks? Because I'm not a music guy. My lyrics flow, you know, general whatever kind of guy and that doesn't get interesting until the late 80s to be real with you like yeah. there's like pockets here but the original parts of 
hip hop really if you look at the breakbeat if i understand that's what it's called the dj shit whatever the cool herc part where they find the breakbeat and that's all mm -hmm. about dancing it's all about elongating the part of the thing people can dance to and then the inception of an mc is a dude who's respectively a hype man so yep. technically the migos with their ad lib game is yes. really in touch the migos with... are one of the greatest hip hop groups of all time they are now in my books up there with the wu-tangs and the run dmcs they they are an amazing hip-hop group because they Yo, have shout out to tap that for the follow we shout out to them for real thank you to everybody following right now um the thing with the migos is that like offset and takeoff are like not lyrical slouches like they got bars too you know what i mean they got clever shit they say and then um quavo like like his harmonies is just like amazing and the way that all three of them are like a doo-wop fucking group with the ad-libs with each other like the way that they are just just in sync with each other it's literally 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 a representation of the like the way that mcs used to do at the beginning of hip-hop it was like a act it was like a we're so in sync with each other it's like a fucking R&B group Shout back cool in the man 70s. Logan for following. Cool Man Logan. Shout out to Cool Man Logan, EO Dub, Quebec. Yo, he's, he's an amazing, building. dude. We got to get him on here, too. But, yo, can I add an, a, another idea here? Mumble rap. A thing that is hated by many who don't understand because they're typically not drunk or in the right vibe or don't have a booty on them, is my thoughts. You have a booty grinding on you during a mumble rap song, and it's a great vibe. I don't care who the fuck you are. Great um, But... I was listening to Louis Armstrong, and then I discovered what the fuck scat was. Yeah. Right? And then Scatman 3000. I don't know if you remember. I'm a scat man. What's the difference between and fucking mumble? Yo, shout out. Keops is for the follow. You guys are fucking blessing me here. Thank you all. But um, I'm like listening to that, right? And then do you remember Designer? Yeah. Designer is a scat artist. If you really yeah, look at what he does, absolutely. he does jazz vocals in hip hop form. And if anybody really thought about it from the point of view that it's not that different than what Louis Armstrong brought to the table. And you know who got me there? It's fucking Kanye West with his fucking yeah. screeching and his scoop, scoop to day whoop, poop to day poop. And I'm like, that shit was such a good song to me. I fucking really, It was a great song. I really that liked it. Fire, it was so, and then I thought about fire. Scat and Louis Armstrong and Designer because he did a track that everyone made fun of that had no lyrics, but it was late. You could work out to that. And now that I try to work out, um, work workout jams are a thing. And then you realize, yo, you want to work out to Migos. You want to you know work what? out to a Liddy Bros. Um, you want to work so, out to a lot of yeah, things like that. I, uh, in in uh, a funny thing that happened was I loved um, Kanye's... Uh, projects that he did a couple years ago with um pusha nas um kidsy ghost his solo oh um, my gosh Tiana i Taylor, love those too all those projects and the one that he did with kidsy ghost where he sampled that <sighs> jazz joint and then oh my god dude i listen to that song all the time I you will catch me of the Ugh. song i love that part of the song and i didn't realize at the end of Liddy Bro's Redux, when I did fucking, rah, 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 I didn't realize that I was kind of doing that in that vein, probably because I was so inspired by Kanye doing that on that. I didn't realize it. 
I did that fucking around and just like off the mic, like I was done with my lyrics with 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 the song and the verse, and I just was feeling fucking a lot of energy, and I just started doing that, and just kept it in the session, and he sent it to Merker like that, and then Merker kept it in the song, and it just stayed in the song, and it was just like, yo, this is kind of, I didn't realize it until after, like, and Jess was like, yeah, that shit sounded crack, bro, like, and yeah. I like, like it. Yeah, I like it too. But I, like I said, it kind of feels like, because yo, here's something else I realized. Eminem, let's go back to him. I uh, remember Ooh. when Walk on Water came out, everyone hated on this song, but I thought it was really interesting because there were a lot of subtleties in the production, little paper crinkling up and all this little theatrical elements that made it more of an experience. And maybe it's not his best song, but it was a song where it made me realize it. And then I thought about Eminem versus like everyone. Eminem's ad-lib game is like Migos level. Like Migos and Eminem are equals as ad-libs, to be honest. And I I think they actually got that from him. Because if you listen to like My Name Is, it's basically like a Migos track in terms of how he's fucking all over the place. So I just think it's interesting how all this time later people twist stuff around and get all caught up on things. But instead of just kind of looking for the commonalities, like, yo, even if you want to go real serious with it, like in a whole freaking political direction. Colin Chant music in the South is a response of how churches were structured, yes. right? So Absolutely. once upon a time in like the 30s, it would be typically like a single person who could read, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So they would work through the songs or the different shits that they would do in a Colin Chant kind of way. The preacher person or whoever could read would read the line and then everybody would say that back. So if you yep. think about that and you look at that entire genre of music, stemming from actual practices built into a thing how are you going to go ahead and say anything about good or bad if you don't even realize yeah no most of the people that that uh look if you want to get political real quick right so coming from a battle rap background you accrue a lot of white fans from places all over the earth that maybe don't understand our lifestyle here and i had many um fans that just don't understand and they 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 talk about these artists in a way that it's just like you you don't realize like you're demeaning a black man that's like feeding his family feeding his community because he doesn't meet some standards that you think are pure and dope and all these things because you don't even realize the like inherent racist nature that you're growing up in the way that the world is structured in a way to make certain things look a certain way and you've adopted that into your way of perceiving things and it's fucked up you know what i mean like uh all all these all the things that exist in hip-hop right now and all things that exist in popular music culture globally all stem from black culture all of it rock and roll country all that music all stems you can literally trace it back to africa in one way or another you know what i mean and there's just a lack of appreciation and uh desire of wanting to do the knowledge and figure a lot of these things out a lot of the things that people criticize are things that are from um our cultures you know what i mean like you said uh and the church down south is like what black culture is up until a certain point in this country you know what i mean like that's all that we were allowed so it's like 
that there's like a, a lack. If you're not understanding that, then you're not going to understand a whole shitload of a bunch of other stuff. You know what I mean? But yeah, uh, 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 mumble rap, scatting, um, um, call and response, um, uh, sh- just uh, the heavy 808s, the drums driving things. All of this is born from African culture, you know? I, I do just want to add the caveat. You don't have to like things in your preferences. I'm just saying something that drove me nuts for a bit as I started to make a lot of the epiphanies I made is how people would call things <clears throat> shit. They would like basically demean it in mm-hmm. a lot of ways just due to promoting things. Like um, I might be wrong on this, but I have a running theory that, again, tied to religion Jesus spoke in parables, right? That's how he taught people. And then I learned a lot about literacy rates and zoning issues in places like New York where hip-hop is prevalent and how education isn't what it is in Montreal. Let me be real with you. Montreal's blessed when it comes to education, right? Super. People who know how to yeah. read here. Right, mm-hmm. and I think that's really important because um, uh, when you look at a place where people can't read, it's not like you can then just go, yo, read this book. Reading one book could take a dude like a lot. And I, I, yeah. have, I have a gift where I can read fast so I can absorb knowledge like a sponge. Yeah. And that's like a gift. It's almost like a privilege of sorts, right? The mm-hmm. fact that I was allowed to live a life that let mm-hmm. me to read enough books, you know? And I, I know it sounds kind of weird, but then it brought me to listening to a lot of stuff. And Griselda was a huge part of this, actually, listening to them, because especially Penny and Conway, Benny in particular, they um, they give a lot of knowledge, almost like this is how you are to take from my, let's say, crack dealing enterprise. There are lessons embedded into here that you could take to any entrepreneurial endeavor and instill into your own way of being that if you follow this way of being almost, uh, you will achieve the kind of success that I was able to autonomously build. And it's a lot of how to basically be a man shit that isn't necessarily shared that's just coded into these parables and stories and things. And that's what I found in a lot of drug dealer music, especially, especially in places that come from it. It often seems to be from this position of just trying to show people a way in an environment that they're in. And I don't think a lot of my white peers fully get that when they're like, fuck the crack dealer rap. They just need to pull up their pants or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, nah. And I'm like, because I mean, I wasn't just trying to showboat there. I think this shit is really important to share with the world. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to learn all the time on this kind of stuff. But it's so like I can tell I, it to I, you like this, man. Like, um, the that's why like I didn't shy away from the topic and sticking to it with the album. Um, to get to the topic that we're talking to, correlate that to it. Um, that comes from always appreciating. The guys, when I, before I fell in love with Biggie, right, which was another guy who appreciated showing off the fancy things and talking about the lifestyle that a lot of us lead in New York City in the street, um, I was, I fell in love with Slick Rick. And that's Mm. a bunch of jewel, jewelry here you know what i mean and all these things are stemmed from the fact that it's like yeah we come from like not much so it's like when you get it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna rock and then also the only people that we see getting it like that where we grow up is the drug dealers and the drug dealers are the guys who do look out like 
usually like the conscious guys they're like really militant and they're like really like about chastising you while the drug dealer is not trying to chastise you for anything you know what i mean like he's like you know whatever get it little man you know but they also support the neighborhood they support the kid that's like balling and like there's a possibility for him to get to the league they support the local rapper they support the local business they support the they support the uh, the local families and giving out food they support the little mans and give them money so they can get fucking ice cream from the ice cream truck like that's like super like how could you ever disrespect a man that gets and gives you know what I mean? Like, you might be looking at it as like, yeah, but what about the poison that he's this and he's that? Like, look, man, those drugs are going to exist regardless. And the people who are going to do the drugs are going to do the drugs, whether that guy's there selling the drugs or there's another guy there selling the drugs. Regardless, there's nothing that you can do to stop people from doing what it is that they want to do with themselves. You know what I mean? So coming down on that guy for just seeing a fucking lane and just like being like, well, I don't got no other uh, 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 chances and possibilities out here. Like the other options are like go to McDonald's. I, I didn't get an education. I had to drop out for X, Y, and Z reasons. You know what I mean? Like they're not, it's not always as cut and dry as people like to think of it as. And everybody likes to kind of look at everything in judgment instead of trying to look at it in perspective and try to walk in that person's shoes. You know, I mean, even if you want to bring it back to Jay Z, if you look at his story, he starts off with that lifestyle, and if you look at the activism and the roles he plays today in the world and yeah. how much he gives back, I mean, if you're a person who believes that the ends justify the means, then Jay Z should have absolutely pursued the routes that he took when he was young, because what he ended up becoming was huge, and down to like laws almost probably being impacted by the man's efforts. He makes a lot of noise. Um, yeah. I'm not gonna uh, Jay Z's a great. I gotta go pee again. If I can just take another quick <coughs> pee, yeah, break, yeah, yeah. Away, everybody. Take a I'll pee be break. right back, yeah. real quick. <laughs> All good. Yo, Robin Hood shit for real. Slick Rick is the goat. Twitchy. Which, by the way, is the last name to have on Twitch. I don't know if that's like your like name. Period. Like in life across the board, or if it's like a. This was the name that you chose when you got on Twitch, but that's a dope name. <laughs> oh, Cool Man Logan. <laughs> Word. Uh, that's a dope name to have on Twitch, bro. Twitchy the foot. <laughs> uh, and Chris Chrome. Yo, also, thank y'all. It was Smoke Fest 99. That was an amazing song. Go listen to that. That verse is what, like, I, like, I, Andre was starting to kill shit before that, but that verse, like, began to, like, mm, fuck, this guy might be, like, one of the greats, you know what I mean? Like, it was an amazing, amazing song. I'm gonna wash my hands, too. Uh, but, uh, yeah, nah, it's a fucking great song. Uh, Tash is a cool ass motherfucker and that album is actually not a bad album at the time. I don't know if it really stands in test of time anymore the way that it did. I haven't listened to it in a while but it was a great album at the time. Tash is a really good MC, entertaining guy. Yo, big ups to the fact that people are still with us, yo. That's amazing. Yo, big facts. Big yo, facts. That, and yo, big ups to you, man. Like, this is 
this is such a great conversation for me. Like when I when I like pictured the chats for this kind of thing, I wanted it to kind of be like this, where it's not like just one thing. It's like you know, like Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah, man. When people goes. show up and and they're talking, it gives an energy, and we we're, we're with an audience, and we want, like you said, we're trying to entertain. But um, yeah. So I don't know. What brought you to the point at the main theme of this album in particular? Like, how did you end up, uh, if we want to just go back to your project a little bit, at this point where you end up going, because, yo, you went from bars, 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 because I listened to that old shit, man. There was bars. Um, yeah. And how do you migrate from that to Liddy Bros? That feels like I mean, there's got to be a, a story to that transition. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, the trans, the story in that transition is are artistically always wanting to change like if you if anybody were to go back right and i have like let's were to speak in a fantasy world right and i have a wikipedia and you can and you're <laughs> interested and you're interested enough to like check my discography and like you want to go in the history of it and like if you did like you'd notice a progression of sound like i wasn't i didn't just up and start fucking with the the sound on this project that I call it kind of like a EDM trap a little bit, but like not the EDM trap that we know that existed, like something a little bit different, at least in my ears, the way that the beats like sounded. Um, uh, that's not new. Um, about a f I don't know how many years ago now, but Dutch Internetica was like about my like third or fourth project it was my third solo project um and that project like i kind of i i like sticking to themes and and concepts and ideas and sounds um or or like a, a cohesive sound for projects and so on that project i had grown out my beard for the first time in my real life and um I like online when like white people wanted to be like racist to me and like talk shit to me, they would be like, Oh, you know, fucking terrorist. And I just started experiencing this whole, like, I I'm not, you know, I'm not middle Eastern, but you think I am. So I'm experiencing this like middle Eastern terrorism, like, uh, 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 uh you know, from people online that want to talk shit and whatnot. And I like, I put the energy into the project and the project was called Dutch Internetica and half the sounds, the, the Dutch Internetica Al-Qaeda Vega, actually the project was called Dutch Internetica Al-Qaeda Vega. And uh, the Dutch Internetica half of the album, seven tracks of the 14 tracks were all like EDM, techno, uh, you know, uh, type of sounds. You know what I mean? And then the other half was like a, a Middle Eastern Indian um, type of sounds, Muslim, uh, uh, Islamic background um, sounds. And so like I've always kind of stuck to sounds. But again, this isn't the first time I fuck with electronic, you know, electronic music, techno type of music or EDM type of stuff. Like uh, I had done it before. It, it, it had grown to this pace the project that i put out um two projects ago uh in 2018 i believe it was was dutch vega and the squad and i you i tried to it was a double disc 
um, project. And on the first disc, it was my solo album. And on the second disc, it was artists like Dama and artists like my boy Henry Hennessy out of Brooklyn and just other artists from Viva La Mesa that I think are really talented. And I took songs of theirs and I put it all, I sweet sequenced it all into what I thought it should sound like. And that was the second disc. And that project, I had a heavy trap sound on my solo Yo, part of the project. Hold, hold up. That is another nugget of sheer brilliance. Like, like, I never even thought of that. Like, I might even steal that idea. Just the idea of releasing yeah, a that. solo idea and then curating, curating a whole uh, all the artists that you fuck with on a on a second on the second disc. It was a for me. It was like a, there's certain little things that I still like. I'm kind of old school music industry. I'm definitely you know older than I'm not in my teens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so. Uh, I do still like there's certain little artist shit that like I look at as like an accomplishment and like having a double disc album is like a thing that like I felt like eventually like I should have and that that's my double disc and I kind of cheated you know what I mean because I didn't it's not like it's me on two projects you know what I mean two two albums worth but um I mean I had more than enough music to do just but it again it's for me like the kill the ego thing like so like uh it's about like collaborating with other artists and also showcasing their talents you know what I mean so let's talk about killing your ego what brought about the desire cuz some usually in life stuff happens to get a person to consider their ego um, I mean, yeah, you know, I've definitely been an egotistical piece of shit in my lifetime at points, and it wasn't great. It didn't benefit me forever. Uh, it also isn't something that, like, uh, is some deep shit like that either. Like, it wasn't like I had had some fucked up shit happen to me, and that life lesson made me. Actually, if I'm perfectly honest with you, it was a fucking movie, bro. Um, I think I, I think I, I love Quentin Tarantino movies, but I will admit that I'm a Quentin Tarantino hater because I don't like some of the things that he does, um, uh, racially. Um, and so, and, and he has a lot of like fanboys in the world period. So I don't think that Quentin Tarantino, my thing with really like popular white, uh, artists like that is like you don't need my fanship, bro. You're fine. Eminem is not gonna fucking not sell records because I didn't fucking buy his album. MGK, G Easy, po po Post Malone, like you could fucking name it. Little Dicky, like the fucking avenues, like even underground white artists. Mad Child's not gonna be hurting because I didn't fucking like him. You know what I mean? So like it, it like. To me, like, it's not about, like, uh, I'm, I'm not hating on them, but, like, they don't need my fanship, right? Um, right. So uh, that, I started it out with, um, I think that I, I got so passionate in that, that I let it. Uh, those guys don't need my fanship. Um, uh, who was it that I started with? Um I'm trying to remember too. I got caught up in that. If anybody remembers in the chat, let us know. That's the beauty of having a chat here. Um, but honestly, I really, I really appreciate how you're like sharing all this, right? Because I think there are. It was Eminem. Eminem. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, no, no, I don't. No, think Quentin it was. Tarantino. You were watching the Quentin, Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. So ego killing. Um, Quentin Tarantino don't need my fan shit. Quentin Tarantino right. isn't gonna. And and in that, I find that I enjoy Guy Ritchie more than I enjoy Quentin Tarantino. And Guy Ritchie does a lot of the things Quentin Tarantino does, and is a little bit more underrated, I believe. And his movies are amazing. If you ever watch Snatch and thought that that was a great movie. Yeah, mm, I did too. Okay. And Guy Ritchie did that movie. And if you follow his career the same way that I'm talking about, like with mine, um, he uh, did a movie called Revolver that Andre 3000 actually starred in. And he did an amazing job. It's one of the movies that Andre 3000 was in that most people just like ignored in the hip hop community because I think it was the English accents just. I always think that English accents throw off Americans so much. I, my best friend. Never watches anything English because he's like real? fuck their accents. Yeah, for real. Wait, like, they, like that. Like, like he, this he, is like literally yeah different I mean, than my experience with it. But he also is not a movie watcher. This guy has never seen Independence Day with Will Smith, but he saw all the like all the um uh what's the Sylvester Stallone expendable movies. So like you know what I mean. Like take that with a grain of salt. Like it's not a big deal. With it. But the point is, yeah, I do think that a lot of people don't appreciate um, English movies, and uh, Guy Ritchie is really talented, and he did a movie called Revolver, and at the end of the movie, it was a really dope movie. I highly recommend it. It changed my life. Um, At the end of the movie, a bunch of psychologists, Deepak Chopra is the most famous name that I know I could list off out of the people that talk at the end of the movie, but they talked about ego and the ego. And um, they spoke about the ego being the ultimate trickster because it disguises itself as you and it pretends that it is mm. you. And that Deepak Chopra said in it that in Indian culture, it's believed that the ego is the devil. And that was a gem to me because like you mentioned with Wu-Tang, you should do the knowledge. I'm not religious in any way, but if I were to be religious in any way, I would be a 5%. I'm a 5%er more than I am anything else. And I do believe in those teachings more than I believe in any other religious uh, offerings that exist on the earth. So to me, that means, right, if I'm a 5%er and I believe in the nation of the gods on the earth, teachings, um, the way that people believe in Jesus Christ and God, that means that I believe that I'm God. And that means that if I believe that I'm God, it makes sense that the ego would be the devil. So I am both God and the devil within myself. And that makes sense, you know what I mean, to me. Um, And so killing my ego and acknowledging his existence because of that movie became like a thing to me obsessively because I was just like, that makes perfect fucking sense. Like anytime anybody makes any type of sense in the world, I'm always going to pay attention super because it's something that I could probably apply to my life. And that was something that I was able to apply to my life. And so in recognizing the ego um, in that way, it was easier to control, kill him and let him live at times. You know what I mean? You know, what's really like really cool about your version of the story is. Like, you, you look at something like an Eat, Pray, Love or whatever, and it's this big, like, grandiose adventure that's almost like a, a fantasy, right? But, like, the truth is, nine times out of ten, I bet most of our ego-killing moments will stem from 
you know, moments of like real epiphany, watching a movie and your brain just connected and hit in this way. And I think it's important almost that people realize that these kind of moments happen and they're so significant because it, it must have had an amazing impact on your career. I mean, the movie but definitely also, artistically, like I don't want to undersell it like that movie, the whole movie led up mm. to it there was a reason that they that he had all these doctors speaking about the ego and and psychologists speaking about the ego it's an incredible movie that like definitely but even would... just the experience of watching a movie you know why that's mm -hmm. cool because who can't just go watch this movie movie yeah and that makes it so accessible and that's what yeah that's what i like about you is there's nothing about your story here that's like grandiose. i mean your branding is grandiose and over the top but your like ability to just be you is just honestly it's it's so attainable it's like i'm listening to this and i'm like yo i could do that like yo i could just yeah, do you that can. like yeah, it's, you it's can. really fucking cool i definitely always have wanted everybody cuz that's what puffy and biggie and jay-z made me feel like they were mm -hmm. like talking to me like yo you can like you just got to be smart bro pay attention you know what i mean like jay said like all these actors, all these rappers are really actors. You know what I mean? And that's why to me it was important. Like it it's important. I didn't start rapping about materialistic shit until I was able to afford to fucking pay for my own trips, places and things and, and be able to do things. Like everything that I said in the music, it's either something that I did or something that I'm literally about to do. Like if quarantine wouldn't have happened this year i would right now actually yeah right now today is november what i'd be 14. fucking on vacation in bangkok in thailand with my friends and i'd be racing yachts literally like because we lit i literally found out how cheap it is to like uh uh to to rent yachts in Bangkok, it's super cheap, period, to go to Bangkok. I would highly recommend it to everybody. If they like to, to travel, but they don't feel like they can afford much, it's going to be an expensive flight, but you're going to save all that money in what you spend there. Like, you can, your money goes super far there. You know what I mean? Um, so, like, it, it, it's just one of those things where, like, we were going to be racing yachts, and the drone was going to catch us literally racing yachts. You know what I mean? For the music video. But, we ended up in quarantine and we couldn't travel. You know what I mean? So like we weren't able, but these are all things that I attained by just working hard. Like it wasn't like uh, I, I got given any amount of money. No, I worked hard at my job and at hustling on the side um, and doing anything I could so at of... figuring out a way to profit and make money in any itch and every way I can. So let's go outside of the music realm. So what other endeavors have you gotten up to in your life that allowed you to build into this? I mean, um, I, I think I saw you. I, I didn't really look that deep into it, but are you involved in some kind of show or something? Is that what that other channel with your name is? Um, the, you said you were involved in battle rap also. I don't know if that counts as music, but battle rap feels more like a sport than it is so music-y. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, um, there's all sorts of, that's the thing. Like, I, I, like after my first solo album, my first solo album, was called Dutch Vega Presents Adventures of Super Spick, and that's turning 10 years next year, and I'm going to put out, like, a whole, like, thing to it. We'll talk about that when we get there next year. But um, the project I did after that was an EP, and I called it Renaissance Man, and it's because, like, yeah, like, I 
kind of like done a you know jack of all trades in my life and i've like done a lot a lot of things i've worked in corporate america you talked about you you're you you've talked about working in corporate and like putting on a suit like i spent a lot of years in my life putting on a suit and heading into corporate america and being a person that i'm not in my real life you know what i mean sweat uh uh code switching is what we call it and like that's just a way of life for us and do you want to uh, do you want to break down code switching for the people like i know what it means but it would be better coming from you um i mean code switching is the fact that like i would show up to my nine to five and i'd be like hi how are you doing today and i would speak like this at all times i would definitely make sure to speak clearly and never use any slang of any sort and i would act as if though i had no idea what hip-hop was because i'm not that guy that you perceive i'm not the character that you want to make me and create in your head sir so right. you know what i mean it's this thing that we do amongst you know people that we feel like are gonna judge us if we let them know who we actually are you know what i mean and what we were raised around <laughs> um and so uh uh, I did a lot of code switching there, and I got tired of it fast, man. Like, I not fast, fast. Like, I spent a lot, uh, not a lot, a lot of years, but, like, I spent a few years there. And that's what led me to a place where I was just like, yo, I refuse to live my life like this. I'm going to kill myself if I live my life like this. You know what I mean? Um, and so uh, I got out of it, and I did a bunch of other things. I mean, also, though, uh, it, I spoke about right earlier like my fresh my first job fresh out of high school was like working in the music industry marketing and promotions you know what i mean like i'm literally a jack of all trades i've worked in a lot of fields i've done some electrician work uh I, i'm a product i'm an event production supervisor um uh i uh i do a lot of things man uh i i i'm a rigger i'm a fucking <laughs> i do I'm a A2. I'm a... Yo, I think this that... is super interesting shit. Because, like, from my perspective, like, I work and I make music and I do this and that. So, to me, it's like, this is what living life is, right? And I think a lot of people yeah. talk to me about a dream job. And I don't know what the fuck they're talking about in a lot of ways. Like, I mean, I'm certain there's a fantasy upon which somehow I get lots of money to do nothing or something. And yes. I guess that can happen. I think that that's people. what they really mean. That's what those people really mean. They get so they, paid a lot of money to not do much is what they view a dream job as. But I think that people like you and me might understand that a dream job doesn't exist because there won't be ever a job in my life that will stop me from doing other things that can be considered a job. And right. It's also like there's boring parts, which is a whole other thing. But it just feels like there's means to an end. Like, let's talk about that uh, going to Bangkok. At the same time, it there is a fee. And at the yeah. time comes, you have to be able to pay that fee. And if you don't yeah. pay the fee, you don't deliver your vision. And if yeah. you think about that presentation point you made earlier, you know, that music video idea, honestly, it looks fresh and it, it i can picture it and i'm like you know what that's and just the fact that you shot it in thailand if you threw letters up like lady bros in thailand just yeah. saying that right there you just got an extra thousand views kind yeah. of thing look in new york city at times square i know people that i can contact to put my like advertisement on a billboard 
right above like the Disney store, not like right above the Disney store, adjacent to it, like the store location next to it. Like I could get so my, my like, you know what I mean? Like I, I could hook up anybody with it. It's really not one of those like things. It's like everybody, I know a few guys that have gotten it, you know, it's just about how much you're willing to pay for. Like, are you willing to pay for more than the second it'll flick for, you know what I mean? Like, it's like a breath, you know what I mean? It's a deep breath amount of time. You know what I mean? Like, it's like eight or second. I forget how many seconds it is. You know what I mean? But the point is, um, I could probably do that in Bangkok, but like, yeah, it's about that. It's about executing these things in a way that it it feels that I did that. I think to try to get back to what we were talking about. I did that because these are my inspirations. Men like Slick Rick, Puff Daddy, Biggie, Jay Z. Men that get money are successful. Uh, um, win at no matter the cost. That's why I look up to like when you see that Jordan documentary. The way that that man approached life when he was at the height of competing is just the fucking bee's knees to me, baby. Let me tell you something. Like, I fucking love that shit. Like, he's just like, he creates, like, opponents and opposition out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, what the fuck did he just say to me? Did he just fucking say to me? You know what? He said that to me. He, he meant disrespect. I'm going to crush him like a fucking bug. You know what I mean? Like that, but it's in sport. You know what I mean? Like it's guys that he's going up against. Like he, he'd be like, oh, you know, they talked about Clyde Drexler. Like me and Clyde Drexler were in the same league. So when I faced Clyde Drexler, I just had to prove to everybody that we're nowhere in the same league. I'm going to fucking destroy you. You know what I mean? Like that, I appreciate that level of competition. You know what I mean? Like I appreciate being able to compete like that and like Jordan so, and like guys that win and lose, being able to shake hands at the end of it. You know what I mean? The way that Anderson Spider Silva like would like disrespect guys in the ring by putting his hands at his side and putting his chin in front of them and then fucking knocking them out. You know what I mean? But and then like uh, you know, like praising them at the end of the fight and then even when he would lose, still praising people. You know what I mean? Like, that's a real champion. Real champions, like, I look at guys like Felix Trinidad, and I remember looking at Felix Trinidad growing up, and Roy Jones also. And the reason I felt that they weren't real champs is that once they got beaten, it was like the illusion was, like, busted. They were able to be beaten again and again because they couldn't deal with taking a loss. They couldn't, like, they couldn't, they couldn't get past their own ego. You know what I mean? So when they went back into the ring, it was just like, it's not the same thing as when I was undefeated. And that's not a true champion. You know what I mean? A true champion is like Ali. When you come back from getting your ass busted and you're like, I'm going to fucking get this belt again. Like, I'm going to be a champion again. You know what I mean? Because that, mm. and so those men I always looked up to and admired. And so success to me has always been that, like, it's just attainable. And so they taught me that I can. And so I did. And my mother also, like, I don't want to discount my parents. Like my mother, she told me when I was young, she was like, I don't care. Like when she was trying to stress to me, like, and I was trying to be like a young kid, like, I want to be a rapper, mom. Like, because I had opportunities to get into the fashion industry. I was um, getting college. I was taking college courses at one of the most prestigious fashion schools in New York. 
uh, and in the world, arguably, um, really? at FIT. Um, yeah. And um, and I could have went there for college, but I dropped out of high school and I didn't go to college. And like I gave no fucks about this incredible opportunity that I could have had because rap meant that much to me. And my mom was very opposed to that. You know what I mean? And she was trying to explain to me like, dude, you can be a rapper if you want on the side until you could become a rapper full time. You got to pay the bills. You got to pay the fucking bills. You know what I mean? Like, you got to go to work. You got to get a job. You got to do this. Like, you got to put a roof over your head. You, Me and your father aren't always going to be here. And it was at a time where, like, my parents were hitting me with, if you want to be doing this and showing up to the house at this hour, you're going to have to go live on your own. This isn't your home. This is our home. You either live under our rules or you get the fuck out. And I was like, well, I love you guys. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And I went fended for myself, but like those lessons without that, I wouldn't have been able to fend for myself. I wouldn't have been able to, you know what I mean, live. I was homeless at times, but then, you know what I mean? I wasn't because I was, you know, able to get my shit together and realize my mom was right. Like I gotta work. You gotta get, you gotta get work. And and work isn't always, you know, like I'm not a full-time employee anywhere. You know what I mean? There's no company that like pays me my full time, my full employee salary. You know what I mean? Um, uh, I uh, oh sorry about that. No I should have had that on silent the whole time. Um, uh, I sh- I should have you know been um, I should have you know I I've I've put myself in a position where I can have all these. Uh, different ways to generate income and so uh this year when um event production went away i started focusing 1000 percent on the music more and i realized that i was really giving a half-ass effort all these years you know what i mean i mean not a half-ass effort because right a person that actually cares as much as like i've been trying to explain to people that i do care right will never give a half-ass effort you know i've given my 100 percent at the time to every project that I had. Um, but I also look back now and I'm like, wow, no, I thought I did, but I actually wasn't. And I'm pretty sure uh, another few years from now, I'll look back at this point and be like, man, remember when I didn't really know about pixels like that? Remember when I, <laughs> you know, when I wasn't like, aware about, you know? So I like how you said that because I had this metaphor I like to use where um, life is like an RPG video game, right? So all it really is is you're in an area and you fight a bunch of monsters and at first they kick your ass and then you get good and you progress to the next area, the next area, the next area and you get stronger and stronger and stronger. But this also applies to your level of insight. So it's super easy to look back and be like, no, I wasn't giving it 100%. But that's what the knowledge set you have now, right? So the truth is I I look at it more like you were giving it your 100 You just... How, the efficiency is up for debate. You were doing it in less efficient ways than you can do today, which allow you to be able to do more in less time. And I feel like a lot of us are very hard on ourselves because of that. And when we look back, but you're, you're kind of not supposed to be efficient at first. Everyone just kind of yeah, sucks yeah. at stuff. Absolutely. And then we all just yeah, get better. Absolutely. 
because man i don't know like even this conversation had me thinking a lot about presentation you know just even my yeah. room i know i know it's messy that's why i'm currently temporarily using colored lights because it kind of hides it a little bit yeah but, yeah uh, but it makes me really think about like you know maybe i should prioritize that you know this uh, yeah. black friday season and make it look a little yeah nice yeah absolutely shit, you, know? you should absolutely you should i definitely encourage both those things that you talked about actually um one i'll help you with that We'll talk about that more off screen, right? Uh, with with getting your background in in we'll I'll help you and trust me when I tell you I'll help you. I don't mean I'll help you to do what I envision for things. Right, I'll right. help you bring your vision to life. But uh, another thing that you said was like you know um, the fact that like we don't. I I I try to not come down hard on myself at all. And I try to encourage other people to not go down hard on themselves as well. Um, there's a meme that's going around a lot nowadays of like uh, a fry from Futurama sitting on a bed looking sad, looking at a note that reads like, oh, I should have been further along in my life. And like I tell people a lot nowadays, like that's like toxic, like, you know what I mean? Like language and behavior to have with yourself. You should never feel that way. You know what I mean? Like compared to who bro you should be further mm. along in your life compared to what compared to who like it's your life to lead how you're supposed to lead like you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now you know what i mean like you shouldn't come down hard on yourself you should also strive for more there's nothing wrong with you know what i mean uh 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 striving for more while being able to appreciate where you've been while also being able to look back and not regret, but realize I want to be better than that person and I want to grow and evolve from that person and not be just that guy. You know what I mean? Like, and people tend to get caught up in, you know, like we talk about children, like they, they have these eyes of wonderment and thing. And it's just because, you know, they don't have these limits and barriers that adults put on themselves and we put on ourselves. And like, like a personal thing for myself in life is the journey of like breaking down a lot of those barriers and not like, you know what I mean? Fi looking at the things that I say, looking at the way that I look at things and questioning and analyzing it at every turn and every point, because it's not ever 100% good enough. You know what I mean? But it also is something that you can appreciate for where you're at right there. And then you should pat yourself on the back but you can't like spend your whole fucking life patting yourself on the back either. You know what I mean? Like it's gotta be a, a balance of like appreciating yourself for what you've done, recognizing what's been not great and striving to get better at all times. I just love all the stuff you're saying here. I feel like I read a lot of books and everything you're saying is in line with the wise things I found in all the books, man. Like you just, I call this shit universal truth. It's like when you really boil stuff down to the to the basis of the base, there's just stuff you can't ignore. And some of those truths are that like we're too hard on ourselves, you know, things like that. Yeah. And like, I mean, I, I struggle with it all the time. Like, I'm, I'm terrible at it. I know what's right. And, you know, I still like, you know, give myself a hard time. But it's yeah. just it's great. To Don't be too like hard on yourself about the fact that you give yourself a hard time sometimes. I'm I give myself not. a hard time all the time and I know better. You know what I mean? Like, we're not but perfect. I, we're, we're, we're human. But I love the fact that it's like a journey. 
right? And that's yeah. kind of what it, it, like, I feel like you're conveying. And um, I feel like your journey is just insane. Um, I know you mentioned there's at least two more things related to your rap that I really do want to talk about. Um, I want to know more about the battle rapping because, I mean, personally, uh, I don't know how often I get to talk to a New York battle rapper, right? So I, I'm very – like, battle rap to me is like – the shit that, like, I saw when uh, Cannabis embarrassed himself, and I saw the big old Matt Hoffa, I think it was, slap, and I watched, it was really the Eminem movie that one of my patrons made me watch. Eight Mile, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm telling the battle rap one. Uh, I can't oh, remember oh, the name of it, the YouTube movie. Uh, you talking about made... the shit from, the shit that when he battled at the uh, Rap Olympics and shit like that. Uh, it's called, uh, shoot, Bodied, that's the movie. The movie Bodied. Bodied, oh, you're talking about Bodied, word, word, yeah, word, yeah, word, yeah. word, word. All the homies so, were embodied. So I saw that movie, and it kind of was like this. Okay, thanks. I understand. Cool Man Logan saying worst movie ever for him. By the way, it, at the same time that Bodied came out, UK battle rap scene had a movie come out as well, and it was not as corny. And I recommend that that one is the but one. But here's that you the thing about that corniness: like that movie wasn't for y'all. It was for it your boy over here because your boy yeah. was sitting there going. I don't understand why they're talking about guns all the time. I swear, I did not understand the gun bars. And Eminem used that movie to teach me about yeah, why yeah. gun bars are a great veil from keeping personal lives. In. And I'm like, oh, yeah. oh yeah. I am a judgmental yeah. asshole sometimes. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It really was for like me and my girlfriend to understand battle rap a little bit better. And I'm certain the British one is dope too. But what Eminem did was for me. And it was really yeah, no, effective absolutely. because it sparked a huge interest in battle rap. And I know Cool Man Logan over there that's commenting is is a, a guy that knows how to battle rap work. So he's like a real, real one. So I'm sure the movie's corny, but it was yeah, great for a guy like I me. I mean, it wasn't. It was corny. I think from a movie watching fan and somebody who like low key considers himself like a a super movie buff, and <laughs> I understand movies. Um, it was corny mostly because it was like they made a battle rap rom-com to a degree. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, uh, but also, I understand that rom-coms and fucking come of age and, you know, like romantic, you know, dramatic movies are the best fa like way to... Uh, not all movies are going to be fucking Iron Man landing... You That's know, true. and taking the mask and it being like the moment that it was or like the Avengers popping out at the end, the end game. You know what I mean? Like not all movies can be that or you end up with movies like Expendable. That's just like, what the fuck is this? This is just like a bunch of muscular men that are horrible actors shooting things up you know and blowing things up like that's not a great movie that's you know that it, and I think he might mean it from that perspective where it's probably not it's not a great movie. But it's mm. also a great movie to get people into battle rap. Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. I, mean, like, I empathize a lot with the protagonist. And Even the that movie gave a lot of my friends a check. And I appreciate that. And it needs so, to be appreciated for that. Because we don't get given checks from everybody. You know what I mean? Like, we're kind of like the off to the siders. Even though now it's more. And these guys, where they've taken it, is just incredible. And I so wow, you, respect you, like, to everybody. You know these guys. I, I know all that. of them. I know, I know, I mean, not all of them literally, but yeah, I do know vast majority of them. Uh, if you, uh, I don't, I don't want to do that. Uh, I don't want to start I'm like not, trying to, trying to, because then it sounds like I'm sucking my own dick, but like, 
Uh, no, I know no, no, no. Charlie Clips. I know a lot of these guys he, that are super popular. Conceited. If you watch some of my battles that are online, Conceited is like right next to me in that's a couple of those like, battles. This is just history. It's not about anything. Yeah. You're a humble dude. I don't really think you're going to bring up. I'm not even trying to get like name dropping. I think it's just interesting for anyone watching this to hear your actual story. And if your actual story is like, yo, I went to this battle rap circuit and I got to meet dudes who are famous now. That's a fucking yeah, yeah. inspiring ass story to me. Yeah, so yeah. No, nah, they're definitely the homies. They're definitely the homies, a vast majority of them. And I still stay in tune with the culture to this day because, like, it's just, I've always appreciated and loved battle rap. Like, I understand it. And I, like, because I come from New York and we were battling before there were cameras and before there was anybody. And I remember going downtown with people like Bianca, who's, got one of the, before Iron Solomon put out his solo album, when Iron Solomon didn't really have a lot of music online and he just had all those battles online. He had a song that everybody kind of knew that were a huge Iron Solomon fan with Nems, Jess James Figueroa, and my homegirl Bianca Katana. Um, uh, uh, and she, uh, her and me used to fucking hustle people for fucking battles and shit. Like, you know what I mean? It's just... We we all um, came up doing it. Like it was part of like back then you had to have all the tools if you had any hope of maybe getting signed one day. And all the tools meant you had to be able to write good songs. You had to be able to freestyle. You had to be able to battle. You had to be able to perform that music very well. You had to be able to, you know, uh, uh, understand, you know, how to carry yourself, how to present yourself, uh, uh, what to do and not to do, you know, how to speak in interviews, shit like that. All those things. For those of us that did aspire to that and cared about those things, there was a shit ton of artists back then that really didn't focus on any of that. And they became famous probably because they didn't focus on any of that. And they just focused on the rapping and they became really great at that. And you know what I mean? They stood stood out in, in that way so that, you know, they could get signed. Um, but uh, that is something that we all kind of like had to learn. And so we did it. And so I, I, I used to rap. And, and I rap, like, I say to people sometimes now behind closed doors where I'm just like, yo, you don't understand. Like, when we rapped, battle rap, back before there were cameras, like, it was really actually dangerous. Like, it was 90s New York City, early 2000s New York City, and it was like, yo, you're going into really dangerous neighborhoods. These aren't, like, clowns that you're rapping against, and they're all in front of you. And, yeah, there's probably some weapons in the crowd and yeah, you can offend somebody and you offend somebody enough in New York City, like you can die over that, literally. Like it's not a joke, it's not hyperbole, it's not a, it's no facetiousness in that. Like you can literally fucking die. So, and, and we went into each other's neighborhoods and like attempted to disrespect each other in each other's neighborhoods, you know what I mean? In front of your friends. And like you could get beat up, jumped, shot, like all sorts of shit, you know what I mean? And it's not like that anymore, even though there are still fights. But that's because it's that. It's it's the 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 sports that I liken battle rap to the most is the sport that I liken battle rap to the most is MMA and more so the UFC. Because up until like recently, there didn't exist um getting out of the UFC without losing. 
you couldn't have a career in the UFC and retire undefeated. You know what I mean? Like, it's impossible. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was, it just was. And now that's with um, some of the athletes that have retired undefeated, it's possible. But um, I liken it to that because in battle rap, you can't get out unscathed. You can't get out without losing one day. One, like, that's the thing about battle rap is that, like, on any given day, a dude can stand in front of you and fucking wash you and if like you're whatever your days leading up and that day you you weren't on point and your energy wasn't right and his was and then on that stage like his lines start hitting in the crowd way more than yours like it, you can just feel it's a transference of energy that nobody can really understand like unlike it, like i said mma guys and maybe boxing where it's just like it's a it's a one-on-one sport. There's nobody here to save you, bro. Like, you got to save yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's nobody coming. <laughs> there's nobody you could pass the ball to. There's nobody you can, you know, look to pick you up. Nah, bro. It's all you, all by yourself. Your team can be in the corner cleaning you up a little bit during between rounds, but they're not fighting for you. They're not going to eat that punch that hits you in the face. You know what I'm saying? And battle rap is kind of like that. And I love that about battle rap. Like, I appreciate that. I, I've, I've lost uh, plenty of fights in my lifetime. And I've won plenty of fights in my lifetime. And I've been jumped. And none of that broke me. And I look at all that shit like it made me stronger. So, like, battle rap is welcome. Getting punched in the face is welcome. You know what I mean? Like, to me, uh, metaphorically... Not so much in real life. Punch me in the face. I'm probably going to want to kill you. Um, But, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, uh, like metaphorically, like, for real, that's what battle rap feels like and and, and is. And um, it's definitely uh, something that stays in, in, in you as a rapper and a writer and a performer. Like, I, to this day, still think of, like, bars along those lines for battles and shit like that. Like, it doesn't ever leave you. That's why you see a lot of the guys that used to battle rap before there were cameras that got on in the street. They want to step foot in. You know what I mean? It's just that their ego won't allow them to step foot in because they don't want to get destroyed or they want to get a payday that's just like, bro, like this, this is not that. We are not the MLB. There isn't like, you know, a $100 million contract sitting here waiting for you. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, th- nobody's going to pay $100 million to watch like, Rock him and Big Daddy Kane for as much as me we might have wanted to see it back in the days. Like it's just not feasible financially. You know what I mean? Um, so, but yeah, uh, I I love battle rap. Um, I came from battle rap. Uh, I mentioned my former name. So if you were to go online and look up Dutch Vega versus, you'd come across my battles. Yeah, and, just, um, just that, just to throw it out for the non-Twitch people because that's probably everybody else is gonna watch it. You know. Uh, we mm-hmm. do have six people with us though, at this point, and Cool Man Logan's been riding with us for a long time. So big ups Blessings. to everybody on their stream. To God. But all the links are going to be down below, right? So I'm going to make sure that they find all the relevant, interesting shit that I can you know, put down below to click to. So you know, you definitely follow him. 
Definitely show that love because, yo, we just got a viewer, as I said that. That's awesome. I love this Twitch thing. It's so exciting to have the yeah. audience like that, even if right it's there. COVID, even if it's like far away times. No, hell um, yeah. It's super, super uh, blessing. Like, I, I think that technology has uh, uh, been a blessing during this time right now. Like, everybody's like, uh, damn, blessing. That's one of those words that I've recently started wanting to get rid of for my vocabulary because um, – I went and looked up the word to find the exact definition. And I saw that it had, I gravitated to it because it was my way of like uh, relating to religious people without um, being fake, I felt. But it's literally a word that's um, derived from religious belief. So I want to try to eliminate it from my vocabulary. Um, but yeah, I, using it in its context, it's a blessing, yo. It's a blessing to be able to connect with people when you're not um, for us it's not that way because in new york city you could there's people right outside my door you know what i mean um but uh i think that for the rest of the world it's, it's like super important now nah, the rest of the world it's scary right yeah. now like uh technically because i live with my girlfriend it's illegal for me to have anyone come here or to go anywhere to anyone's crib it's just that's against crazy. the law right now that's yeah, a, yeah it's just like and then yeah you know, some of these like, things are also funny because i'm like that i'd say it's my wife all the time because i've been starting to get that itch where i'm just like well listen i really don't care and at this point let's go take an international trip before we come back and they're trying to force feed us of a, a, a vaccine that we don't want to take um so let's take the, I, I'm kind of like a gambler in that way. Um, but uh, uh, a lot of this shit is like uh, not really that like right. Like there's laws like when you come into New York, you have to quarantine. But I'm like, how do they keep track of that? There's nobody at the fucking Yo, borders was... of the the bridges and the tunnels for but New York even, City. Even... Like telling people like we're going to escort you home to make sure that you quarantine for two weeks. There's nobody checking none of this shit. <laughs> It's more for me. It's about you like, should be doing it though. No, I, yeah. I respect. Listen, I'm gonna respect the rules. For my ethics, it's like this: whether or not I believe in it is irrelevant. The fact is, there is a thing that's happening, and there are people that could be fallible to it. So my position is, I want to be this responsible-looking dude on the internet. I mean, I say that ironically with a joint in my hand, but I don't find this to be irresponsible as a grown person with no children around, right? But I do yeah. think if I'm out there. And this might be something I've noticed a lot of people advocating social gatherings and hanging out with people and putting that on my socials, which you won't find. I went to like maybe one thing in the last seven months, honestly, a lot of digital stuff. And yes, I had people come here one on one for interviews during the time when it was legally permitted. But if I have anybody come here right now, it's obviously a violation of the law. And then what kind of a message? Um, what, yeah, he was there. I was with Cool Man Logan the one time. That's when I met him in person for real life. The first time ever was at that one event I went to. And even then, a lot of people showed up. And it really made me second guess it. I'm like, I was on video. Um, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily respecting the two meter thing. And I, mm -hmm. I said, what kind of an example am I setting? Uh, however yeah, yeah. anyone else wants to feel about it, that's their business. Yeah, no, I'm but that's good. That's good that you're looking at it like that. It's good and that you're looking at it like that. Don't get me twisted. Like I'm some, um, uh, you know, uh, right-wing uh, conservative, uh, you know, MAGA guy who's like, fuck masks, man. No, the government's trying to, nah, fuck that. There's like, a lot of weird stuff. Yo, and like, have respect for other people's space. I'm generally, like I was saying about the washing my hands, I'm a super keep my distance from people kind of person. And I'm not a like in your face talker. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like 
I'm not that kind of guy. Like, uh, I'm not the kind of guy that gets drunk or drinks and starts like, oh, touching you too much. I mean, if you're my close friend for a lot of years, yeah, I might. But it's also not like that guy that's like gets emotional, ends up crying and fighting all within the same night. I'm not that guy. Like, um, that's not me. It's not my energy. <laughs> but yeah, it's important for people to um, observe the the because like a lot of people are like, oh well, you know what they said when it first happened that the masks aren't gonna help, and now they're saying that the masks. Yeah, bro, because nobody's ever dealt with this before. And they're figuring Smart out as we right go, here. man. Oh my god! Like my man, like like yes. like. Come on, like let's 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 just all try to help each other. Like it doesn't take much. Like it, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna come in your house if you I come in your house and you're telling me that I gotta take off my shoes, bro. I gotta take off my shoes. It's your space. When you go into a store, you don't own that store. So if their policy is put on a mask, put on a fucking mask, bro. It's not your house. When you go back home, you can enact the rules that you want to enact. But when you're in the store, that's a common place where somebody else owns it and their rules are their rules. So if you don't want to live by their rules, just don't go to the store if you don't want to go, if you don't want to put on a mask. But don't go into the store and then start bitching about not being able to wear a mask. And you're the most annoying person in the face of the fucking planet doing that. You know what I mean? Like, fuck out of here. That's big facts, in my opinion, too, because, like, look, I mean, if you want to talk about how there is uh, some kind of fishy stuff going on and how they handle it is all incorrect, I would agree with you because they suck at bureaucracy, not because there's anything nefarious. Like, I don't want to go, like, too deep with it, but nine times out of ten, I don't believe in conspiracy theories because it gives the government and yeah. organizations way too much credit. Way too now, much credit. Way too much, bro. groups of smart yes, people? Absolutely. Sure. Yes. But and is the government groups, doing like, things on. behind closed doors like, that they don't want to know about? Yes, absolutely. But not the type Googled, of shit that you're thinking about. You just have to Google like their process for buying paper or something, and you're going to be like, no, yeah. I have no, no there's wild ways that you can see that governments all around the world is just like, bro, these are humans. They're humans. There's a human at the helm, and guess what? Humans ain't that bright all the time, you know? So it's just like, that's why, humans. like, yeah, like 9 11 is one of mine. I like to, I don't like to um, delve into the conspiracy theorism of it too much because I'm just like, yo, um, there's fucked up, sh- it's a fucked up act, but the acts that America as a country did in the Middle East to lead up to that act for those people to feel that way are all things that need to be respected and acknowledged. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the type of disgusting behavior that the United States of America engaged in in the Middle East, that's, that's why you get an act like 9-11. So don't take away those men's act of bravery or cowardice, however you want to judge it, but don't take it away by giving credit to, oh, the government was behind it and there were bombs inside of uh, the buildings. And there's something that a lot of people that don't live in New York City, that live in these rural places, that they don't grow up in cities that have fucking buildings. They don't understand a lot of this shit because they just, I get it. You don't grow up in a city like this. So you don't understand cities. Like, bro, all that shit about like, oh, those buildings were made to withstand the, 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 uh, the uh, impact of an airplane flying into them. I'm like, how, bro? Because buildings in New York constantly get tested with planes flying into them to double check 
that the that the plane that the building is sustainable enough to to withstand the the, the impact of a fucking airplane flying into it? Like, no, idiot. It was an idea initially when they erected it that they thought that it was like made enough to and they're thinking of like a fucking one passenger plane not a fucking plane that has x amount of people with luggage and thousands of pounds and thousands of fucking gallons of liters however you measure it of of, of, of flammable gasoline in there like what are you talking about it's insane like people the the thing that i find hilarious and thing is that my father one time when i was young and started getting into conspiracy theories like schooled me of like yeah when i was young they had the same exact conspiracy theory you know what i mean like like bro like this shit is like not a thing that like there's always going to be men that don't have aren't focused on the shit they should be focused on and are wasting way too much time on the shit that they shouldn't be focusing on and imagining all sorts of boogeymen and bad guys when it's like the world already has enough bad horrible disgusting people in reality you shouldn't waste so much time trying to imagine new ones when the ones that are right in front of you that you should be focusing your time on defeating are like bad enough you know what i mean like stop wasting your time fucking theorizing about shit that is just like all right let's not let's not turn this interview into that nah, but, <laughs> i mean look it is what it is that was really uh Nah, my mom just popped up in the chat, so shut up, my mom, because you know what it is. That's your mom coming yo, through. Yo, shouts out to your mom, yo. That's what it is. Um, <laughs> Miss, nah. Mrs. Holden? Uh, Miss Goldberg Young. Mrs. Mrs. Goldberg Young or Miss yes. Goldberg Young? Mrs. Mrs. Goldberg Young. Thank yeah. you, Mrs. Goldberg Young, for uh, blessing the world with a son who uh, is this cool. Oh, man, you're going to make me blush again. Yo, honestly, I mean, I think interviews need to have this kind of stuff. Because, yo, we get them with, it's kind of like what you did. You get them in with the music. You get them in with the fun. And then once yeah. they're engaged, we flip it up a little bit and we start talking. Yeah. Because, yo, otherwise, you know what? what? Something that platform? you talked about in the review that I, there was a couple things that I was hoping that we'd talk about, Um, which was like the Let's fact that you were you saw a lot of the things in the album that people didn't like i was super uh, like i've been wanting to do a uh uh my cocaine so white challenge um that uh talks about uh some of these things in a funny way and i think that that's the best way to address things and make things you know uh exist in the world you know what i mean like it's not about like i think that uh chelsea handler is somebody who i like was never really a huge fan of right I'm but i've sure always is. chelsea handler's a a white female comedian um she had a show on e tv e entertainment television and then comedy central and she had a show on netflix i think it's still on netflix um but she's doing a lot of like you know uh public speaking on behalf of like white women and on black platforms and like addressing a lot of these like you know things that uh black people globally feel towards right people that they feel have generally oppressed them and it's a hard conversation to have because a lot of people feel like, well, wait a minute, I didn't oppress you. I wasn't the one that this. I'm not, I didn't have these I didn't have these privileges that you talk about. And it's just like 
these are conversations that need to be had no. because if we don't have can, these can conversations, you, we can can't reach that? a place where our kids, 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 kids are better than we were. You know yeah, what I mean? Um, like, I have a theory yeah. on uh, white privilege and just privilege in general because people act like privilege is some entitlement thing. And entitlement and privilege are different words, right? So they clearly have different definitions. So I started thinking about the manifestation of this. And a lot of it happened with women because, uh, you know, as a white dude, I'm pretty much top of the spectrum, right? So, like, mm -hmm. and I'm a Jew. So, adding into that, there's a whole lot of not uh, bad experiences. In fact, I get, like, to be part of a club where if I'm ever broke, there's all sorts of things just yep. open up to me. So, yeah. it, I'm just, like, aware of that now. But privilege to me was when I heard about how uh, women freak out and when they walk down the street at night, they're anxious. Yeah. And yeah. then I thought about black men and police. And that I must yeah. be anxious, that anxious, right? Like, also. and then I thought about, uh, and I have anxiety here and there. And you know what mm -hmm. happens when I have anxiety? I can't think in a practical and efficient manner. No, so I can't absolutely philosophize. not. Yep. Mm -hmm. So my white privilege is philosophy. Mm -hmm. I have the luxury and time to sit there and think about all sorts of shit. Yeah. That gives me competitive advantages. And I mm -hmm. really and truly believe that the, the crux of the issue that is a privilege to not feel anxious. Now, if you happen to feel anxious in your environment, cool. And this is where it got flipped on me. If you're white, you can go somewhere where you won't feel anxious. If I was yeah. a black man, I can't go anywhere to achieve success where I won't feel anxious. Absolutely. And I think that's what privilege is about. And that's the best theory yeah. I have. So as a dude in New York, I, just, I like to run it by people and see what they think. Yeah, and, no, uh, that's a... That's a absolutely uh you're 100 percent right and in the zone think about this um you know how like uh there are okay the land that exists on the globe as we know it right we know that it's controlled by countries right and you have some of these countries that are like if i were to ask you who runs switzerland racially skin color wise right uh who runs switzerland probably white, white swiss white swiss yeah. swiss i had to think people. for a second yeah yeah, yeah. All, all, all the you know think now just think about all the you know white lands that we probably know of, right the uk england is ran by white english people you know mostly um Ireland is ran by white Irish mostly, right? Um, now think about what lands are ran by black people. Um, you would immediately think of probably like Africa, right? I didn't. I thought Africa, no, that's colonialized and a bunch of crap yeah. over there. So that, it's that not Africa. Continent, and then the continent is split and and fractioned off to all these white countries that run those countries within that continent so it's not africa um honestly i i would say i can't think of a single sovereign place that, and i, I, I watched that like trigger warning with killer mike thing right yeah and he did that first episode where yeah he tried that, to go, first, like, that whole show black, was amazing oh dude the porno episode inspired me in ways that i never thought i would be inspired because he's right sex sells and if we really want to educate people maybe we need to get over some morals but that's not the point yeah. it was more um basically the fact that he couldn't find anything black owned to sustain him for a single yeah. day 
no. was was a mind trip to me because it was something I never thought about. Now I happen to yeah. maybe yeah. have a more black biased Facebook because of my involvement in the hip hop community uh, than the average white you. person. So that's cool. Do your thing, man. Um, uh-huh. And it was just like I noticed that there's a lot of pro efforts to black owned businesses happening in my city right now. I uh, don't know any offhand, unfortunately. I should know some, but they exist. And uh, I just thought it was something that's fascinating how little like when you look at the money distributions and stuff uh how little is going on about the circulation and wealth equity and it's a hard thing because nobody it's boring to a lot of people i find it very not boring so to me i I geek on this kind of shit yeah but like without really being able to i don't know like when you really look at it to answer your question it doesn't really exist in any kind of meaningful way it does not it does not sir and so that just reflects on the point that you were talking about, you know, like if you're white and, and it's not, and it's not, again, I brought up Chelsea Handler because like, I see what she's doing and I understand and I appreciate it, you know, because like, it's like for us, like we've seen fake allyship. That's why like politics is one of those tricky things. You know what I mean? That is just like, there's a lot of, I understand all the black Trump supporters. Like, and that sounds crazy, but it's like, I understand because I understand how, if you really look at like the, the democratic party is just like, yeah, man, like there's a, there's a lot of fake allyship in white liberalism. And sometimes what happens is you got white liberals that like, you know, they pretend or they say that they're on your side, but they don't realize all the damage that they do with their everyday actions and You know, there's also, I came up in that era of, you know, the people that, the white people that nowadays are older and say things like, I don't see color when they want to prove how not racist they are. I grew up with those white people. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, they thought that they were doing something correct by saying that. They thought the right way to, like, combat racism is to say something like, I don't see color, which is just like, well, but why not? I'm, I have color. So I got There's, like, I want you to see my color. I want my color to be appreciated and respected the same way. Um, one, uh, that I could bring up to you, uh, 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 point on this that I've been this year literally noticing and talking about that is like pretty crazy is, um, like representation matters, right? Um, there's a movie about Jackie Robinson that Chadwick Boseman starred in called 42. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. It's a great movie. Uh, Chadwick Boseman's a fantastic I'm actor. I'm not a huge movie person, uh, so I'll just I'm, run with you on this. I'm, I'm a huge baseball. I'm a huge movie fan, huge baseball fan, grew up playing baseball. Um, uh, and, uh, of course, I'm a fan of anything black. Um, and so uh, anything that represents my people. And so uh, Jackie Robinson's movie, 42, in it, there's this like really beautiful moment at the end of it where it's like, you know, Jackie Robinson, I think we all know about Jackie Robinson, right? Which is like first black baseball player to cro- cross into uh, baseball in Major League um, from the Negro League. And um, so there's all this fight and all this vitriol uh, definitely watch it, especially seeing how you you're talking about being into you know being no, into I mean, understanding all this stuff is a great like, it's a great movie for that. You know what I mean? I seeing see the how in it. back then this uh, white 
team owner, you know, I mean, don't get it twisted. It was also a profitable reason that he did it and all this other stuff underlying it, right? But the point that I'm really trying to get to is at the end of the movie, there's this scene where, like, you got little white kid in a playground um, at bat playing baseball, and he starts, like, doing things that Jackie Robinson does, you know? Because kids aren't, they don't have, they're not born with racism in them, you know what I mean? So, and that moment in that movie just depicts the fact that, you know, racism is a thing that's taught and it's not inherent. Mm -hmm. And like, if, if you give an opportunity to a black man, he could be an inspiration to this little white boy. And this was in 19, I mean, this movie is made in the 2000s, right? Uh, I think it was 2016. I forgot what year it was, 2012, 2000, whatever, right? But it's depicting something from the 40s. And the reason that that scene existed is because this was true in the 40s. And this is why Jackie Robinson's story and everything that it speaks to is important is because representation matters. Think about the fact that up until the movie Black Panther existed, never ever was there a black superhero on a major entertainment network streaming platform you know what i mean like for little black children to look up to so even to this day we're still breaking down barriers you know what i mean of like things like that that happened in the 40s jackie robinson joining baseball happened in the 40s that we learned then representation matters and then we still don't get a fucking Black Panther superhero movie for little, you know, black kids to look up to. So all them Superman movies from the 80s, all those Spider-Man movies, all these superhero movies that did exist, they might have been sporadic for us comic book lovers that do understand that the comic book hero movie didn't really exist until basically the Iron Man movie. Regardless of it, there was still like about a 20-something year period where no black kids could really see themselves as superheroes. But white kids could absolutely see themselves not only as superheroes, they could see themselves as the bad guy, they could see themselves as the extra on the set, they're the key grips behind the camera, they're the guys holding the camera, they're the guys directing, they're the guys writing, they're the guys that own movie studios, they're the guys that this, they're the guys that that, they're the guys that everything. And it's just like, bro, like, fuck, man. When nobody's even asking for it to be given, it's just can we have an even playing field so when we put our money into things and we play the game it's not stacked against us you know what i mean like if that's all that it I, is just you to know? attach to that idea like here's here's a big fact about entertainment right so let's say everything is currently stacked in a way where the numbers are, are, are away people may be like you can create a policy that will um you know allow for a legal mandate you can't discriminate on hiring mm -hmm. but then they don't talk about the fact that like 85 percent of hirings are like my number 85 percent up my ass but most mm -hmm. hirings are based on referrals yep let's be real if we all stick to our own for the most part and again yep. for the most part we do that means that the guy i referred looked a little more like me and that's just kind yeah. of what happened and i got my duty job i'm not trying to floss like that it was just that's how they want it to be I'm not going to risk my reputation for just, you know, any asshole. Why? Because it's my fucking ass on the line. So they're going to trust my referral. And that's just kind of these little teensy things where I, I get where you're coming from with this representation thing. And just uh, as you were saying that, that popped into my head. I think it's really important that 
like, I don't know, maybe it's not the most interesting topic to everybody out there, but I think it shows you in a very wise way. Like it shows the depth of how much you care about things, how much time you put in the thought about all of this stuff. And I don't know, I'm, I'm really glad that you took the time to share that. Like it kind of like, I can't express it the way that you can. Even if I have thoughts and opinions on it, as I was thinking about it, I'm like, nah, man, this like, I could just be like, I read it in a book. <laughs> like that's the best I can say. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I read a lot of it. I, th I thought no, but you know what? That's stuff, important. Like, those those are books that write people that don't care aren't reading. That's fair, right? So and like, it's I like I'd it was... rather the guy that at least tried to read that book and tried to get educated, and the people is, that uh, try and make an effort, it's appreciated. I definitely saw in the books a common theme, and I, I read about after uh, the the unfortunate George Floyd incident. Um, I I don't know. My girlfriend bought like 10, 15 black books. I don't know how else to put it. Mm -hmm. It's related to black yeah, history yeah. or culture fine. in some way or another. There's nothing um, wrong with the word black. That's something that like white people have like generally across the yeah. last maybe 40 years has become this like taboo <laughs> thing. It's like, bro, like I always tell people, I'm like, yo, if I'm black and I'm proud, it's good enough for fucking James Brown, bro. It's good enough for me. That's you know fair. what I'm saying? I'm just, um, I guess I'm used to being on the internet now and just constantly mm -hmm. adding the preface. Cause here's the thing. You might be cool with it. Maybe next dude is not cool with it. No, Either and way, you should, you should, you absolutely should. Exactly. You my should intention is to convey that. Like, listen, it was about, and yo, I read a lot and consistent. Anything from that period had the same thing that got brought up when we were kids, we played with the white people, even the slaves. Right. Cause I read some slave shit. I mean, that's mm -hmm. awful, but like, like there's this book I, um, about this I can help you with that you want to know why because the word itself is an ugly word and really what we all mean is the enslaved right like because that. they weren't they mm. weren't will they they weren't willing participants i like that a lot. so the way to justify them is to to, to put them in correct context which were they were enslaved so it was like about the enslaved in Jamaica during the big revolt involving the Maroons and all of this kind of stuff. No, I was it. just reading about the Maroons a couple months back myself, yo, yo. Fresh. me and my wife, yo. Yo, it's, it's such a, like the book was blunt, man. Like, listen, you, you picture a Quentin Tarantino perception of, mm -hmm. cause I, you know, Django, I think is what we, you know, that, that mm -hmm. one is a big one for mm -hmm. people, but mm -hmm. and it looks kind of harsh. And then I, I can't describe the scenes. I think it would actually be too far in terms of how graphic it was. Just the carelessness of like a guy uses a lady in for his satisfaction. I think I can yeah. do it. And then yeah. immediately once he's done, pulls out a, a weapon and terminates. Yeah. Just like that. Waste of yeah. life. Like, it's like fucked up, and but I'm it's like, exactly. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, wow. And it's just, that's one example. The book was just like constant as this woman describes it. But I think what was crazy is when their kids, all the blacks and whites just hung out. And it was as they learned to become proper young men and women in that time, about 10, you know, because back then, you know, you were married by like 13. And this is like 150 years ago. Everyone mm -hmm. should really think about that sometimes when they it's crazy. Yeah. When you really think about it. Yo, yeah. 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 Of, no, things used to be crazy. The age of consent in Quebec moved from 14 to 16 in 2008. I was in. College yeah. When people were when recently upset at the cuties thing online, I was just laughing at myself mostly not because I'm a, uh, of course, like any yeah. uh, sane human being. I also am not cool with, child pornography or anything child nothing it's all disgusting but at the same time i immediately started thinking about like 
how many trees is like what's the what's the what's the age limit here? And yeah. when I think about all the countries that I think about in history, all of them have been okay with underage just, marriage and sex. You just like, have to look at uh, certain communities in New York City, dude. Like the numbers, yeah. and Montreal's just as guilty. I want to say because we both absolutely. I, I don't want to go into the specifics. It's a bad idea. Yeah, that, yeah, but, yeah. Um, there are communities that it's prevalent in both our cities where it's really Very freaking popping, so. and it's just yep. like I'm not trying to like I'm just for to me, this just day like, right now. I, and I'm not trying to like I don't know how many angle. It's just people feel a way about a lot of things, but then never really question. The stuff that's actually happening, I guess. And that level of frustration is something that I, I don't know. I mean, I imagine that as I say that to you, it's like, come on, who am I saying this? You you obviously know what the <laughs> fuck this means. And I will never, I'll never understand it to a level that other people will. And I know that. Um, yeah, but understanding that feel, will give you a better understanding. But that's why I love this kind of a conversation, right? Because I have a colleague who challenged me and she's like, flat out, how many black people have been on your channel? And I'm like, listen, it's not from my lack of trying. I couldn't find black people that wanted to be on my channel. I asked a lot uh -huh. of them. Nobody wanted to come. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but to have you here, um, having you say a lot of these things and just to have this kind of a conversation where, I mean, I'm learning. This is yeah, no, great no opportunity worries, bro. for everybody. I'll definitely, I see the, I see the, <laughs> I think that your platform, I respect what you're doing. I appreciate what I saw. I didn't delve into when you first started, but what I saw with the Busta, when, when disaster strikes, I'm like, yo, this is somebody who's like really putting in a uh, serious effort to like, and then the, the review that you gave us, it wasn't just that it was favorable. It was that it was thorough and you did recognize a lot of a majority of everything that we were attempting to do. That was the other thing that I wanted to talk about that you had asked me behind the scenes. Yeah. What was it that you missed? But um, though the, the, the amount of effort that you're so it's a platform that I'm just like, I respect what you're doing. So it's like, to me, I see nothing but what I've been, all the people that I, all the people that I did get reviews from, those are the people that I was going to hand over to Dama when she puts out her project later on in at the top of two, of 2021 you know what i mean like i was absolutely gonna be like yo sis i came across these outlets you should hit up these outlets They're, you know what i mean and so uh i'm absolutely gonna uh pass uh you and your platform and the word on to friends of mine that are also you know i think zoo's gonna have a new project out really soon and yeah. it, you're, i'm pretty sure that the conversation that you have with him will be a, a million times more in depth oh when gosh. when it comes to all these subjects <laughs> than it will be with me. You know what I mean? So it's it's a great thing that you are that you have worked to make this platform and you care enough to put in the work that you put in, and that care will make other people care when they show up here. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I like, appreciate that. I really do. Like I don't know. I mean, we're like. We're break. I think we hit the record almost. We're breaking the record very soon for longest interview, which in the back of my mind is like, yeah, you gotta push it. I mean, not to an end of like whatever. I mean, no. I mean, we definitely gotta to still talk about like I said. I know, I know, I know. But I just wanted to point out, it's three and a half hours that we've been at yeah. this with the live, and that's yeah. that's incredible, dude. And there's still seven people with us. 
wow okay like i'm just a dude that is excessive a little bit and maybe on youtube they're gonna be like oh, whatever it's live people okay you're getting the unfiltered experience actually i don't even really edit they always get the unfiltered um <laughs> anyway uh, but yeah, I do want to know what I got wrong because I, I mean, I listened to it one time and I ran through it quick. So like, I have any ego. No, I wouldn't wrong. say I wouldn't say that you caught anything wrong. Uh, I was gonna tell you it was just a couple things that you might have missed. Small mm. things. Overall picture, you got everything. Your review got everything right on the head. You know, it it the album subject matter made it that the tracks were gonna be what they were. Um, I made a status on Facebook. I don't know if you saw it a couple of days ago where I was like, you know, it's not the depressy bros. It's not the enlightened bros. It's not yeah. the like, like, you know what I mean? Like, it, 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 and, and I, I, we had, we have, me and Jess have two projects worth. We have volume one and volume two worth. But the problem with volume two is that like, I was very much focused on, like I said, in that status, um, I knew that, this subject matter was pretty superficial and that I was going to maybe some people be the rub the wrong way or not. They're not going to understand. And so I wanted to follow up with very deep content under the same banner, but I very much so feel now the, of the like mindset, like why, like it, again, it's the Liddy bros. It's not the depressy bros. Like it's not, I can save all that introspective stuff for my own solo stuff. The Liddy Bros should be about exactly this, like having a good time, being lit. When we made the project, like we were thinking about the fact we were recording it in the middle of quarantine. We were recording some of these, a majority of all these videos under quarantine. And we were like very much of the mindset of like, yo, when everybody comes out of this, they're going to want to like have a good time. You know what I mean? Like we want to make a soundtrack for people having a good time. And that good time doesn't like always encapsulate like having a conversation about some of the things that we talked about on here. So, you know what I mean? Uh, but there were still the desire to touch lightly on some of those things. So you'll have lines like we just discussed with the, my cocaine so white, you know, uh, she holds her purse ever so tightly at night. Um, you know, uh, Owns a, owns a pair of Uggs and they lean slight to their loves, everything pumpkin and spice, owns a pair of Uggs and they lean slight to right. We were characterizing a certain type of white girl, but it was applicable because we're talking about cocaine, which is slang. The slang term for it is white girl, you know? So like it was, we fit it in where we could and you recognize that. And I appreciate and love that. Um, You talked about the Malcolm X line that I spit and um, yeah, like, it was, was exactly fire. that. Um, oh, man. And there, there, so to talk about the things that you missed, right? Um, in that same song, I said, um, in Champagne and Cocaine, I said, um, I called myself the Foul Mati Puff Poppy. And that's an ode to two of the um, MCs or, or entertainers, because Puff people might take um, issue with me saying that Puff is an MC um, <laughs> rapper. Two rappers that I admired growing up, um, one of them, Puff Poppy, uh, Puff Daddy. Um, I was calling myself Puff Poppy, but I was also calling myself a, a mix. It's a dichotomy. It's a, it's a two. It's the Foul Mati Puff Poppy. Foul Mati is Tragedy Gaddafi's alias. 
or one of Tragedy uh. Qaddafi's alias. Tragedy Qaddafi is um, one of my favorite rappers of all time. He's probably like nicer than like most guys and people don't know. Against All Odds, Tra Tragedy Qaddafi album touched my life in a way that most people don't understand. Like, it didn't touch them in that way, but like I highly recommend that album. And so I, I said that that was another ode to the um the OGs, the legends of the game. And we did a lot of odes to the legends in the game. We dropped the album on September 11th, which is the same date that Jay Z dropped Blueprint. Um, and Jay-Z dropped Blueprint, which was um, a 13, 15-track album with the bonus, but 13-track album, and we did 13 tracks. And it was an ode to Jay-Z and Blueprint with that, same as the $100 package is an ode to Nipsey Hussle, same as the oh video to every so song is an would've... ode to Beyonce. Um, that song, I shout out Puff, I shout out Tragedy. Jess at one point in No Baby says something about the reve um, revenge. So she made that booty clap back. That's an ode to Ja Rule. We were oding to all the guys that came before us that we respect and appreciate for what they've done all over the album. Like the album is like for as superficial as the content might seem and it's just a party album, there are still a lot of little nuggets of us attempting to give an ode to, you know, uh, the previous generation that inspired us to do what we do. So that's, that's really important, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I probably would have maybe caught a couple more of those if they were on Genius. And I was like, you know, actually, I don't By know. By the way, also the Genius, the Genius thing that you mentioned in the in the thing, I, I we didn't have, and I I'm happy that I did whatever I did. So you were able to come across the lyrics where you did. You, we, you did. did we did have a Genius page. On the um, website, if you hit the menu bar, there's a Genius link. There's a, it says Genius, and you can click on that, and that'll take you to the Genius page with all the lyrics of every song on the album. I could, I could um, but it. I guess us putting it on there gave it uh something for the algorithm to pick up with the other websites that kind of bootleg genius and and everybody that uploads their stuff to genius so like it got on other platforms i saw it too um and i was just happy because uh, obviously that platform is what came up first when you looked up our lyrics but on our website it is and that was but you were right about the instagram page and i immediately while watching that in that review as soon as you said it went and like adjusted it. Like I put Paulie's <laughs> name in between me and Jess's because his is not clickable because he doesn't have a profile that he wants people to um, who, find who online. I'll talk about him now. Um, but he, I put him in between because visually, aesthetically to me, it's pleasing to have the two added names that you can click between a name that wasn't. But then when you said what you said, I was like, oh, no, Jess is not being found as easily. And people didn't know. Like, no, I need that to be known. So I made sure that his name was right next to mine. And it so and I also trimmed down that section so that there wouldn't be a click for more option so that it's just everything is right there and you could see it. Um, Paulie Hustle is our a great friend, brother. Um, he is. Uh, like you, he hosted a radio show in New Jersey um, 
that was like one of the most prolific underground shows. Like he had a really dope show that you would show up and he had like a wheel that you would spin it and it would have like either prizes or like, you know, like do this or that, but it was MC, you know, based and he just had a really dope show and he um, used to film a lot of grind time East Coast battles, which is like historical and like really, um, uh, it's historical because uh, we did things that had never existed. We um, did the first pay-per-view battle rap event in the history of battle rap. So like right now, KOTD, URL, it's a regular thing to have pay-per-view pay uh, battle so rap event. But we literally invented pay-per-view. Yeah. Three hours and change into this interview, you casually drop and then drinks the chat. Casually drop. Oh, yeah, we invented fucking pay-per-view battle rap. Like, it's like, ask him about battle rap before. It doesn't even break that. Casually drops. That's, that's crazy, dude. That is so fucking crazy. Yeah, I mean, we de we definitely did that. And so Paulie Hustle was one of the guys that video his, him and his, um, uh, his wives. Um, were uh, the editors, filmographers, editing team, video team on all of that. And so Paulie, um, but that's not like all he does. Same as me. He's like a renaissance man. Like he made his fortune um, being one of the first guys reselling um, clothes that matters. Like one of the first guys reselling Supreme online and period in the world. Um, one of the first guys, uh, he designed, um, for Kith, which is a huge, huge street brand. Um, he designed sneakers for ASICs. He designed sneakers for New Balance. Um, uh, with them, they, oh, he did more of like colorways. He didn't, he redesigned, like he, he added colorways to, um, the classic New Balance, um, sole, uh, for New York City and the, the sole that everybody in New York City wears. Um, uh, but Paulie Hustle is like, he's a man of many talents and he's just, he raps, but he didn't rap on this album clearly. And, um, he's not like, oh, like cares about rapping. Like for him, like he does all the other things that he does. And so we brought him on board to be kind of like, um, our, uh, our, our creative director artistic guy and i take co-credit with that with him because well i brought him on for that and you know what i mean um also a lot of the stuff that you see that we did like that was me like i like the videos the locations those were all me um i wanted to shoot in locations around new york city that have never been depicted in rap music videos because in rap music you want to usually depict your hood and where you're from and so you don't, you guys that don't live in New York City don't get to see all these beautiful locations that we shot at, like the Scorsese video, um, Central Park, uh, the Bethesda Fountain, um, which everybody that visits New York City wants to go there, but never has it been depicted in a rap music video. So right. I wanted to depict all these locations in our videos because locations speak to the songs as much as the lyrics and the beat and everything else so uh i did that but like paulie did 
a whole bunch of creative things that, like I said earlier, right? Like we wouldn't have a hundred dollar package if it wasn't for Paulie. We wouldn't, um, we wouldn't, uh, there's a whole list of like stuff that he brought to the table that like for me to sit here now and try to like, you know, break down exactly what he did, what I did is irrelevant. The point is he's the creative director of this project um, along with myself. And um, he's just, um, he brought an energy to us. There's a picture of us floating around online together. um, And it's just, it depicts, I think, what the Liddy Bros should represent better than anything. And that's why I thought that he should be a part of the project because that picture should be ideally the representation of what the group means moving forward, no matter how, you know, Jess is probably not going to be part of the next one because like I got him to sit down long enough, you know what I mean? To be part of this one. He's an artist. He has to, you know, he has to just, all of us that know Jess know him to be like, uh, he's a fucking Eagle when it comes to this shit. You know what I mean? So it's like, you can't, contain that bird for too long i need him we all need him to fly you know what i'm saying so it's just like he's not going to be a part of every project but like more so than that it was important that he was a part of the first one and that him me and paulie were the representation of what this means first and foremost so that when it moves forward and it takes on different incarnations um it it can mean different things with those artists but this is this feeling that we get that other people get when they're around us and that feeling that we bring when we show up to the party it it's the first taste of the liddy bros so yeah and that's paulie hustle but now his name is hashtagable and if you click the hashtag on our profile you might get a little bit better of an idea of who paulie hustle is it's not gonna be a lot it won't give you the full painting, the picture, you know, it won't give you the full portrait, but you're going to get a piece and just that little piece that you get, you're going to be like, huh, this oh guy gosh. seems really fucking interesting now. You know, That's like, right. I want to know about this guy more. So, so and see, that like, was purposeful. So what I really like about that is because it, it calls back to the collective thing. I don't know if you've heard of Brockhampton. Um, yes. But what impresses me the most about Brockhampton is how the video guy is part of the band and how everybody's part of the band. They're all yeah. part of the band. Even the press yeah. guy, the fucking yes. writer of their press, he's part yep. of Brockhampton as an official yes. member. That's a genius idea. Amazing. And uh, I don't see anybody else doing that. And in a sense, what you're doing with this guy as having him being part of Liddy Bros, at least for this project or effort, is, is in that same vein. And it is kind of what yeah. a collective is. That's kind of how like Riz's whole strategy worked. If you look at the game plan he put down, it yeah. was meant to be like a group effort. Everybody plays their role. I mean, most of the Woo basically were, were salesmen for a while. That, that was their role. But yeah. he, everyone had to play their role in order for the plan to come to place. But they were all part of it. And, I, and I'm not to say that they weren't rappers, but I mean, like for the behind the scenes shit, that's what they all. Yeah, yeah. Power first. was not a rapper. Divine was not a rapper. Absolutely. Yeah. And then inevitably things kind of built up. But I really like the idea of having like the behind the scenes people being as part of it as not, like, you know, because that's like, yeah. look at how big the like, woos around the world to this day. You will find yeah. people who maybe have never heard a Wu-Tang song buying Wu-Tang merchandise. And that's a pretty incredible feat. Now, people might be like, eh, 
fuck the people who wear merch and stuff they don't like. I'm like, why? They're putting dollars in these people's pockets. It's yeah. like a really good thing. Let these people have their yeah, brand absolutely. awareness grow so that Wu-Tang really is forever. Because that's kind of what happens if it becomes part yeah. of the pop lexicon of images like that. But, absolutely. Uh, so since you scrapped your lady bros two idea to move on and make it go back do you have any kind of a timeline or an idea like how long does it oh you'll definitely you like everybody will definitely get a new lady bros uh project next year um we're gonna get you're gonna uh, for my plans for next year um solo and group wise project wise musically period across the board is uh lady bros volume two project at some point and I'm going to do a 10-year anniversary um, thing for my Super Spick project where, like, I'm going to put out a remastered version of the album that everybody had already heard 10 years ago. Um, so the sound quality will be better on it. And then I'm also going to do a remix album to that album, which will be the same lyrics, probably about, like, 80% of all the same lyrics off that project over different beats um with maybe like two three new verses sprinkled in here and there and one whole new original song um in the project and then i'm also going to put out um a kind of like a part two to that album a new project um solo uh like it, it did the, the album the original one 10 years ago was dutch vega presents adventures of super spick this one will probably be something along the lines of like the adventures continue, uh, Flaco Bayo. You know what I mean? I like and and like everything from that's happened to me across the last ten years will be subject matter for this project. You know that project was my first solo, and so it kind of like had my life up until that moment. Like my life from so, birth. There's literally a baby, a track on there called Baby Spick, and I talk about literally where i'm born the hospital the like my life growing up all that stuff so like that first solo album had all my life in it and then so this now new one will have like everything between super spick to now which is how we got to flaco bayo which you know kind of makes sense you know so is it going to be more like a, a Liddy bros experience or is it going to be more in like a, a classics let's say hip-hop kind of sound um or something completely it, new um it'll probably be uh i mean i don't know to be perfectly honest with you as of right now i'm sitting on three beats for that project that i know are for that project none of those three beats have that classic new york boom bap sound but um i also don't feel necessarily obligated to do that because on the original project super spick i did that a lot and then um, on the remix album that'll come next year for that project, I'll be doing that sound a lot. You know what I mean? So it's like you'll get like with the remix album and the remastered, you'll get to have that taste of me over that classic boom bap sound all over again. So you'll for the people that were here and heard that original album, it's like, well, if you don't feel like sitting through the remastered version because you're just like, whatever, I played that album out back then. Um, you have a new remix version of that album with the same lyrics, but over different beats with new lyrics thrown in. And uh, the sound uh, scape of that project will also reflect that classic boom bap sound. And then probably the part two will be more modern sound. 
And then the Liddy Bros Part 2 project that you guys will get will probably also be same as the first one. A lot of turned up. It'll be Liddy. Like I said, it won't be Depressy Bros. It won't be Introspecty Bros. It won't be self conchy Bros. You know, that stuff you'll get all sprinkled in in my solo stuff with the Super Spick Projects and the Part 2 um, next year. And then uh, in 2022, I'm probably going to do... Um, a Flaco Bayo solo self-titled album that'll, you know, also probably touch on all my sounds that I've ever really rocked with and fucked with and, you know, be that type of project that like kind of like encompasses everything that I've ever done and probably things I haven't done yet that I've wanted to do. And so you'll you'll get you'll get plenty of boom bap and, you know, that and soundscape this is, too. This is all in the next year. Yeah, this is all inside the next year, uh, all of that. The Flaco Bayo solo that I talked about at the end, that'll be 2022. But next year okay. in 2021, you're going to get um, uh, you're gonna get a remastered Dutch Vega Presents Adventure of the Super Spick album on its 10-year anniversary. You'll get a remix album of that album with 75% of the same lyrics and 25% uh, new stuff. Um, and then you'll get a uh, part two to that project, which will have all sorts of new sounds and will explore my journey in life from that album 10 years ago till now. And you'll get a Liddy Bros volume two, more turn up and like celebrating life and whatever other new things that we got to do. Uh, like I said, I'm itching right now. So I think that me and my wife started, no, my wife, to be perfectly honest, started looking into uh places that we can visit that we don't have to quarantine when we get there so i think we might be going to laos somewhere between uh, now and uh uh at the top of uh i think somewhere between now and april of next year so like i'll have that experience to you know what i mean bring to the table and you know crazy, all these uh, things to you know keep on growing the art i like the idea that you said that because first of all like if we just like unpack that a little bit you got a lot of different sounds that you're catering to understanding your old time fans because that's important right like you yeah. can't forget the people that put you on 10 years ago which is yo, yep. congrats on being in the game for so long honestly that says a lot about you um i i'm not you know like like I, I started in 2012 so i'm not like quite as long as you but i understand how hard it is to then kind of a little bit be in it as long as guys like you have really pushed it because it's even further it's even longer and that like to me is just admirable um, yeah, and that's also, just the album, right? Like that's just my like solo. That right. doesn't like so I, I was battling like, on video right. even before my first solo album came out. I was when my first solo album came out, I was literally in the middle of being a battle rapper that had a battle. I had my last battle, Myers versus Myers Lansky. That's my last battle that I ever had on camera. I had that battle that I was preparing for while um helping poison pen run grind time east coast and co-hosting those events and co helping him put together those events while um running my own um i had the draft league which was the league of the like the 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 training league that's of the like the up and coming battle rappers sure you were talking um, that's uh we had i had that um uh uh I was running that league along with Soul Khan and Amzilla, 
But really, like, I love them both, but, like, they were not doing what everything that I was doing. I was, like, getting the battlers, setting up the battles, everything. And so I was doing that while putting down all the tracks and recording and putting out Adventures of Super Spick. So, like, while I was doing that first album, I was doing all these things. And, like, uh, it was, like I said, it, I was already doing all those things. So I was already battling. I already had my demos out. I had a mixtape that was out with my boy, Hot Rizzo, as a duo in New York City, locally, at one of the most famous mixtape spots, um, Amadou's Corner on 14th Street, which he still has videos on YouTube because he had, like, a, a show online that he would do with guys like me. He didn't, I didn't ever actually get the feature on one of the episodes, but he would do it with, like, newborn, be it, uh, goods, uh, a lot of guys that actually are still around. Um, and so uh, I had a mixtape out, but that was as a duo. My first solo, solo so, uh, project was this project, and it, that's 10 years old. I've been in the game longer than those 10 years, but yeah. <clears throat> I wasn't trying to take away from the length of time. No, no, no. It was more just to say like, yeah, I, I it just, you're still at it. That to me yeah. is, is, is the biggest mark of success, right? The biggest mark of success is that you're able to go, I'm going to go make this project, this project, this project, this project, and then you'll see them through. And then by the time that's done, and I believe you'll see them through. I don't yeah. know about every. I feel like everybody's ambitious on timelines. Maybe your time management skills are A+, plus. maybe they're not, but one way or another, mm -hmm. you'll see them through. And that's that's like, I believe it, because of everything we've talked about for this almost four hours. Yeah, I would say like, I would say like, if there's anything that stands a chance of maybe not making the timeline for next year, it would maybe be the Liddy Bros, but I doubt it because I recently got inspired when i made that status and you know, i was thinking about all this shit about the it not it not being the depressy bros or whatnot i immediately got inspired started getting new beats from the same producer group of producers i worked with on the first liddy bros and immediately got super inspired now already got like fucking the skeleton beginnings of like five songs and that doesn't Amazing. include like you know, the whole album's worth of volume two that we already had that I can touch on. So it'll probably still come. It'll probably make the deadline. But if anything stands the chance of not making the deadline, it's that because I am 100% focused on definitely doing the 10 year anniversary correctly and making sure that all of that does come out. So that's the difference between me and this man and his experiences. He understands how to make the timeline. And I am absolutely garbage at timelines. Um, I'm late on virtually everything in my life. I'm overambitious <laughs> with it. But I feel like those are good problems to have because when you do figure it out, you know, yeah. you get to be able to make claims like that and believably so. Um, but I think it's incredible that with that tenure and all of that, you didn't fall prey to the old man hip hop head trap. Is one of the most frustrating things that I've experienced is talking to people who have been in the game for a long time who refuse to acknowledge that there are vibes out there. And mm -hmm. I mean, evidently, this whole interview is the result of a vibe that you created that is one of the best I've heard all year. And I like a good vibe. I mean, once upon a time, I fucked with MDMA. All I got to yeah. do is think about Molly and the good nights and the loudspeakers and yo, is that music shit I want to listen to most of my regular life? No, because most of my regular life is in this room in front of a fucking computer. To me, that's not like a happy vibe. But every now and again, you get... You're going to want to get in a good mood. You're, yeah, you're like, yo... You need that. 
yeah. your brain like goes <coughs> like your brain goes or back like there. you said earlier you're going to clean and you want cleaning music that's it actually a lot yeah or like just to get upbeat actually i mm -hmm. gotta get some water real quick all good <coughs> Yo, this is amazing. I never thought that I'd have like a a real like four hour interview type of thing. This is really amazing. Thank you to everybody who has stuck around and is still in the chat and has been watching either all this time or left, came back to it, or just anybody who showed up as well. We appreciate everybody for real. I know I'm speaking on both of our behalfs right now. Yeah, sorry about that. I just fucking nah. like But um yeah, basically like uh you just wanna get there and, and as I get more active I find like high tempo energy. But yo, watching that music video, just seeing the whole experience and hearing like the whole sonic soundscape, it's like you escape a little bit. It's like getting high and sometimes you wanna have that little flashback moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I really like that. I really like the vibe. But you creates. were gonna say that I didn't fall into the trap of a lot of the old. <coughs> oh, sorry, I completely forgot about that. Like, um, yeah, they just refuse to accept that these vibes exist or that there's a place for them or anything. Like, yo, yeah, listen, man. I can't sing it because it's Twitch and it's the copyright. But "Bad and Bougie" by Migos is good. It's I don't, fucking I don't fire, really bro. give a shit. Man. Like, fire. Sometimes fire. you just want to be like, you know, you just, yeah. just want to. Yeah. Sometimes you just yeah. want to be like. You just have those vibes. And here's the Listen, thing. At the end of yeah. the day, if you want to, let's just bring it in a different direction. Mm -hmm. It's a lot more attractive to women to have fun songs yeah. than it is to have really deep philosophical. Listen, I'm a yes. deep philosophical dude. My girlfriend does not want me when I'm it. ranting like that. Yo, my wife loves 2 Chains and French Montana's music. Loves. You know why? Well, 2 Chains is great. you want to fucking turn up? Like, you know, to rock. Yeah, I mean, but that's the thing and so i started thinking also like yo you know what's really like not necessarily fun sausage fest shows because yep. the vibe gets weird and that's the highest like look i don't want to go anywhere where there's violence i'm not very tough so the highest percentage of violence is having 150 drunk men in a room with no women around yeah and uh, I would rather have the kind of experience, and this is just me and my comfort levels, that has a lot more. Like if I could have 80% of the crowd be women, that yeah, would be I like, would. that I sounds a lot better. Would as well. That Way just better. sounds better. And Way better. <laughs> well, I'm not looking to cross any lines. If there's a lot of women there, maybe she'll like one. And that's a good thing for me too. So it's not going to happen if it's just a bunch of dudes and like the four like ladies in the room are clinging to their guy and... I don't know how many people yeah. go to. I'm sure your local scene's a little bit more popular yeah, yeah. than your local scene is. But I've noticed that the demographically speaking, anything I end up at, there's just except for this one time. Um, yo, uh, uh, there's one time I went to this all women MC show. It was just ten ladies on the stage. It was the opposite problem. Basically, it turned into. Uh, I was the only guy there that was not accompanied by a woman. And it was just like 50 uh, women in the room, all these single. And then the, the, the rappers were telling me, like, you don't understand. You know, sometimes you get off stage, you just want some. You just want some, you know, because 
they're ladies, they're MCs. This is, I'm just like, there's never guys at these shows. Guys never want to come to these shows. And I just thought of back when I was single and all the times I never went to the women rap shows. So just letting y'all know. Yeah. Yo, hip hop karaoke is dope. And he brought up Dylanites. I don't know if y'all have hip hop karaoke, but hip hop karaoke yeah. is the reason I can perform. Because there's no crowds at anything local, but Hip Hop Karaoke was filling out this Belmont place, which is like 250 people. It was filling it out. And so I was up there doing tracks like Buster Rhymes, uh, DMX, a lot of dudes like that. Um, I got to do Just for Laughs and do Rap God and Break Your Neck on like the outside stage of Montreal Just for Laughs. Like straight up, they're both like filmed. I can back that up. Um, But like Hip Hop Karaoke is incredible. And uh, it was just great vibes. It was like basically everyone's best of hip hop jams being performed by people not necessarily MCs, very few yeah. MCs actually. I'm surprised at the yeah. lack of MCs because to me, because to they're, 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 they're not the, the ego of the MC is like, I'm not going to go perform. I'm not going to pr- prove how much of a DMX fan I am by spitting his lyrics word for word. I'm not going to prove how much of a this fan I am or that fan. You know, it's just the ego. It's just the ego. It's a weird one though, because I mean, at the time, I was performing. At, at least at this tier, and amongst the people I knew, the shows I was performing <clears throat> these other people's songs at, I had crowds that were big enough. Okay, so the second time I did it, I got cocky and I did Ludacris's rollout. And I, I didn't, I had no reputation, and I just, I was brave. And I said, I need y'all to help me. Can you do this part? And I got them to chant the rollout. And the room was so full that the like 30 people that did it with me, held it down and it's just blessed and so every time the chorus came in the crowd did the rollout and i did the luda top part and it was yeah. just like that organic that's you dope. get yeah. that doing your yeah. own music to 42 people in a bar no. when the whole 42 no. people is rappers and posse. they don't know they don't know they don't know the song lyrics and even if they did they're not trying to help you and participate in your shit to make your shit and your vibe doper it's just yeah, not have- the yeah do y'all have hip hop karaoke up by you? Is that a I, thing? I, I wouldn't I wouldn't know. I've never I've never gone to one, but I'm pretty sure. I try to explain to people at all times. New York City, like whatever is your like thing, that's another reason to come to New York City. Is like you will find a group of people here doing that thing you love. No matter how niche and small it is, and you think like it like nobody else does that, yo, come to New York City, you'll find at least two or three people that do that thing that you love Fair yeah enough. so i'm pretty sure that, i'm pretty sure that there's a hip-hop karaoke night i know that there's karaoke i just i've never done karaoke either like i literally did karaoke for the first time in my life about three two years ago a friend came into town from cali and he loves doing karaoke and so i'm not gonna like when you're in my charge and like you're here and you're visiting i'm not gonna not do something because you don't yeah because i don't like it like it's you. It's what you like to do. Say no more. I'll find the best karaoke spot to take you to. And when we went there, it's just New York City karaoke, which is like their book is like wild brolic and there's wild hip hop. Like it's hip hop and R&B all throughout the whole thing. Besides all the classic pop hits and rock songs and all these other things that you'll find in everybody else's book, you know, globally. You know what I mean? Like it's that plus all the classic like hip-hop shit that you you know probably like think that only like a niche place would have and it's like yeah that this random just karaoke bar downtown but it's like a block away from 
where EO Dub end of the week was home to as far as venue wise for like over a decade. You know what I mean? Like it's this venue that's like a block away from that. So it figures that their book would be that broad because you're going to have throughout 10 years wild rappers show up in your, you know what I mean? Like and 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 go in there and, you know, want to do, you know, Jay-Z to Hard Knock Life or something like that, you know? That's fresh. Yeah. I get that one. I always picked uh, the fastest, trickiest shit I could think of because, I mean, I figure if you got, okay, like, this is the my consolation because I am an MC. I have to do something that's impressive. So, when yeah. I, like, sorry, Rap God is not an easy song to do properly. Yeah. It's easy yeah, yeah. to do parts of it. So, or, like, uh, Break Your Neck was my, is my go-to buster. Yo, I got to yeah, do, yeah, yeah. I got to do Break Your Neck in front of Hannibal Buress one time. He oh, he, I don't know if he ever remembers it, but he was like the host, and there's like this video of it where like he he just like looks really impressed with me getting off stage. It's one of the highlights of my life because it's just such this. Even if was... he doesn't remember it, right? All that matters is that in that moment of the moment, you impressed him enough to make the impressed taste. So if yeah. he remembers you or not, don't matter. Like you can remind him. You know what I mean? You can be Absolutely. like, "Yo, I impressed you one time," and he look at you crazy, like, "The fuck you mean?" And you bust out the video, like, "Look." I impressed you. That's an impressed look on your face. <laughs> I love the way you see the world, man. But at this point, I do think we should maybe wrap it yeah, up. Yeah, now uh, we should cut it off, man. For real, um, this was so amazing. I'm going to do my little outro bit. Um, so, yo, thank you all for watching. Yo, big ups, Cool Man Logan, for still being here. Because it's like yo, hours you, Cool bro. Man Logan has been here. Been here, um, yeah. And that's big respect for all you out there. Big, Twitchy, big respect. The that's Floyd the old dub alumni family. That's what that and, is. Yo, He's got an album coming. He knows he's going to be on this Twitch. We're going to talk yes. to him. So he's a, he's a great guy. That's right. I'm, I'm putting you on the spot, cool man, Logan. Um, but, yo, for you watching on all the other platforms, definitely let us know what you think in the comments. Hit that like button. Uh, subscribe slash follow, depending on where you're catching this. Uh, definitely, if you do put some comments, I'm certain I can get this man to come back in. So put questions and shit, and then down the line we can, you know, get him to answer them. Um, and on that note, special thanks to the patrons Ismail Gadamsi, Chris Prado, Jonathan Barnes, DJ Black Hurricane, Linda Williams, uh, and Scribble. They're dope. They support what we do. If y'all want to also support what we do, links in descriptions or behind that, sorry, patreon.com slash behind that suit. And you can uh, show love in a direct way and also make music myself. And uh, if you want to go check that out, let me know what you think. Links in description, all that good stuff. And on that note, everybody, live long and prosper. <laughs>